0: Five-year, 100,000-mile is what you're saying. Five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. It's, um, it sounds like I don't think how, – how can they do that and not lose money? Well, do you want to know the real reason? Yeah.
1: So the, uh, the new Titan was uh, produced, uh, shares parts with the NV2500 and the NV1500 van, their van line. Okay. And they came, uh, they came out with those you know, several years ago. The warranty claims on those were so low that they decided that they knew basically the the architecture with the truck had a lot of similarities that they would be able to get into that because the trucks are so reliable.
0: No kidding. So Nissan, one of the most reliable vehicles on the planet. Sure. I mean, (laughs) right? I I mean, if if you're
1: going to offer the warranty up and not go out of business. I'm saying
0: it. The warranty's
1: great. There's nobody else out there who has a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. I mean, think about that. You buy your truck today. 100,000 mile, not engine warranty, not powertrain warranty, bumper to bumper.
0: It just seems like a bad business move. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess if you're Nissan and you make a quality, reliable truck, that's yeah. the way to go. I guess so. I'm happy to have them. I got to be honest.
1: Yeah. So uh, the Truck Show Podcast with Lightning and Holman. I know,
0: presented yes. by Nissan. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I saw you looking up at the <laughs> sign. It doesn't say Nissan out there yet. <laughs> Not yet. yet. I Not think yet. we're swapping out the signs on the wall. Yeah, in yeah. our, our
1: Facebook and socials. I've got the art right. director working in their logo. So, uh, yeah, man, pretty awesome. We've got uh, Nissan as a sponsor of the Truck Show podcast. I love that.
0: The Truck Show. Uh-huh. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with the truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show whoa. Oh, oh. it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman we have an amazing show today well i know that's not even fair to say we have an awesomely amazing show. today? No, no, no. I think I think that because we haven't recorded. We're now we're doing it, and, yeah. And, and so we could screw it up. You and I. We will. We are. We guess, will. Our guests will be great. Did you know we have eighty five five star reviews? On I iTunes? saw those, and I thought that I was looking at someone else's podcast. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> hey, that's not us, right? So there's at least yeah. eighty five people listening to us. <laughs> I saw that, well, no, that's not true. They could have left a review and then just bailed. That's true. However, I think we do have. Uh, I I would love to see us in the top five automotive podcasts, and we do need you guys to uh, tell your friends to subscribe subscribe all right so we've gotten a ton of mail as you guys know we've
1: had fred williams from dirt every day we've had david Freiberger from roadkill Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of our fans like man it was so awesome to hear from Freiberger. it was so awesome to hear from fred what about mike finnegan well you may or may not know this finnegan and i go back over 15 years um we were both truck magazine editors back in the day and uh i gave him a call up i go hey mikey Wanna come on my podcast? And he goes, Yeah, I'll do that. There must be four or five Finnegans walking around the planet because if you heard all the different ventures and things that
0: he's got a finger in, he's amazing. You know, like you've got your Adam Corolla's on one side where he's like, yeah, I got a (laughs) podcast tonight and tonight. And tonight. (laughs) tonight. Yeah. Because it's all at once. Like yeah, Yeah. he's cloned himself, whatever. So he's with Dr. Drew or, you know, eighty places a week. But Finnegan is the same way. Yeah. I don't know how he's doing it. He signed, I don't know, he sold a soul to the devil. Something Did this, he? Yeah, I think you so. You think so? I think he made a pact Should we call him and find out? I think you're going to have to dial and smile. All right, most. man, let's see let's him a call.
2: Hello, Sean Holman and three others. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, not really three others, just Lightning and Holman in the studio here at the Brunch Show man. Podcast. What's up, <laughs>
2: What's up buddy? Uh, long time no see. Oh, man, it's good to talk to you, man. It has been a long time. Oh, but, man. This, the three others is, like, I have this deal where I merged all my contacts, and so whenever <laughs> anyone calls me, it's like three Sean Holmans are calling me, but I can't <laughs> figure out that all three of you are the same.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just me. It, it was a Sean Holman one, Sean P. Holman, just Holman.
2: It, it just says Sean Holman and three others. It's really not that intricate.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> that, I, I, I had to go through my phone because it's been so long since I called you that I had to double-check when I texted you, it's like, Mikey,
2: is that you? Same number, man. Like 30 years. Yeah,
1: me too. Um, we've had Fred Williams from Dirt Every Day on. We've had David Freiberger, your uh, your cohort at Roadkill. And we've had a ton of people emailing us saying, hey, any chance you could get Mike Finnegan on? And I'm like, as a matter of fact, I think he'll still take my call. So uh, we appreciate that. And I don't think people know, you and I go back like 15, 16 years um, in the ma- truck magazine world, and I think people see all the things that you're up to these days,
0: but they don't really know that, that you're a truck guy.
2: Oh, yeah. You and I have had a lot of shenanigans, definitely.
0: <laughs> what type of shenanigans exactly? This is Lightning speaking. I am always on a quest to f- uncover as much dirt about my, uh, my co-host as possible.
2: Lighting. I'll tell you this: if you ever want to back a bus over Sean Holman, call me off air. I will give you all of the dirt.
0: <laughs> I don't want it off the air. I want it on the air. This is it. we all we come clean on this show, my friend.
2: Oh, oh, total transparency. Total oh, transparency. There that, God, there was that time in Vegas where uh, I don't, Sean. Can I tell this story? Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling your bluff. Right. So. Sean and I, um we first met when I was working at Mini Truck and Magazine fresh out of college and he was working at Truck and Magazine. So this is like and what what
0: what take me back what year is this? Early two thousands. Oh, early two God, yeah, this supplement?
2: is like like beginning of black flies and baggy pants. I'd say two thousand, somewhere around the somewhere in there. Oh okay, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Freestyle motocross was like it was the beginning of Freestyle Motocross, right?
2: Oh, dude, Krusty Demons of Dirt. Like, right, totally. yeah. This okay. was, this was the uh, the SoCal, like, this was the rise of the pre-runner. The
0: beginning of the bro. Uh,
2: yeah, bro. Early
0: bro. pre-bro. Pre-bro? No. Pre-bro.
2: Yeah, this was like white fender mafia. Like, anybody exactly. ranger could only afford to do the front of their truck. And not, and not paint the it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stock rear suspension, but the front was, like, two feet wider, and the, the fenders were white. Right, because you really
1: couldn't did. afford a rear axle, right? So this this is what I call the period, this is the rise of El Cajon. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's oh, right. Oh,
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. El Cajon, s- my wife's from that area. So, yeah, yeah, El
1: Cajon nice, is a uh, is a um, uh, it's a
2: hilly suburb south uh, of San Diego. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, base, south of L A. But that's kind of where the desert pre running you know sort of had a hot spot there, right? So hey, Mike, yeah. I want to hear your story, but first we have to uh, bring you in with the intro. Yes, you indeed. get your own intro. Yes,
0: we do. Oh, wow. Yo, the truck show. <laughs> Who the hell is this? A truck show interview you don't want to miss. We talk to top dogs in the industry. How'd you blow up? How'd you come to be? Who dis? Who dis? Truck show represent. Yeah, boy. <laughs> who dis on our line? Mr. That's Mike Finnegan.
2: Intro ever. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's
1: cool. That's not true because I've listened to your podcast, and you guys have
0: a pretty decent intro on that. I was, I was kind of bummed when I listened to your podcast, uh, Mike, is that uh, your production is
2: uh, pretty good. Oh, well, I, I work with a guy that that's what he... That's his thing. He's been podcasting for a decade. So he's. I bring nothing to the table. He, all the technology, it's Kibby.
1: Dude, it. that's exactly what I did. I'm a magazine guy who has nothing, and I brought the radio guy with me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you and I, we, uh, we we think alike, my so friend. So it was interesting. We had Ryan Kibby, who's uh, Mr. Luxury Pre Runner guy up in uh, north of, like, I don't know, the Simi Valley area. Where's he? Newberry Park, somewhere up there? Anyway. Um, BFE. I don't know. Are you familiar with Ryan Kibby? Because he's like, who the
2: hell uh, is Mr- this? Mr. Mr. Tigwell, the only guy. Yes, yes. So you know, <laughs> Kibby Oh, uh, uh, I know him from the Instagram. I, d- I don't know him, know him, but you know, you start following fabricators and truck builders, and suddenly it feels like you know everybody, even like you don't.
0: So he's an interesting character, really good guy, and he's become our friend. And uh, uh, he, he, we said that we had you coming up. We're like, oh, by the way, he does a podcast, and you know the the and and Finnegan show, and he's like, what? There's like because there, there, there's not that many kibbies, so he's like, who is that guy? What's what's he all about? And we at, we didn't we know, don't know. What to tell him.
2: <laughs> as far as I know, there's only two kibbies. It's Ryan and Rob, and Rob's from Iowa. I have no idea if they're really. Do you
1: think they're that. like uh, you know like separated at birth or anything like that?
2: Well, I, is Ryan really white? Like,
1: yes. White? No, um, no, he's not. I think he is. I think he's a really white guy that basically tig welds all the time and got a tig sunburn. Oh,
0: you
2: think that's I what think it that's is? I think that's what
0: it is, yeah. Because he was looking uh, <laughs> he was looking pretty brown. He's been in a shop a lot. Yeah.
2: <laughs> is he lacking in follicle department?
1: No, I don't think so. He, fo- but, he had he a hat on the whole time. Though. Ryan Kibbe? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah, he is. Oh, he is? Yes. Oh, he had a hat on. Challenged. They could be the same guys. Isn't? Whoa,
0: what, what if they interesting? are? Interesting. Wow. He's going to be listening to this going, I'm not the same dude. Dude, dude he's writing. Wow. He's coming to the studio next week. He's going to be. You guys are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> so this podcast that you do is it pretty successful? The uh, the Kevin Finnegan show. Show is that what it is? <laughs> okay.
2: Oh, dude, it kicks ass. We actually unseated Corolla for a week. So
0: okay. <laughs> oh, so did we? <laughs> by the way. Wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> so
1: this is this is going to be my story, right? So and and I hope you'll share your, you you on our show because that'll help us out tremendously. But when Freiburger was on, we exploded for about three days, and it was <laughs> it was the NPR car talk. Was number one. It was just like
0: listening to freaking Paint Dry. Can you listen oh, to Paint dude. Dry? No, I don't dude, know. you can. And <laughs> it is really boring.
1: And then it was. I want to say Peterson. it was. It was somebody in second. We were number three, and the Kibby nice. and Finnegan show was number four, and uh, pa- and Adam Corolla's was number five. And I went to Jay. I'm like, dude, we beat Finnegan and Corolla. And then we looked <laughs> the next day, and we were like back at number six or something like that. Uh, <laughs> wah,
2: wah, wah. So we oh, had you for dude. a day. We had you for a day. You know, what's really sad is um, this is the power of Instagram, right? If I can remember to post, hey, we have a new podcast up or, hey, there's a new episode of Finnegan's Garage on YouTube. Dude, the numbers go through the roof. But between my wife, two kids, and nine jobs that I have, I forget all the time. And Kibby's constantly being really nice to me, like, "Hey, I don't, <laughs> want, I don't want to bug you, but if you could, if you could make an Instagram post today, that would really help."
1: <laughs> so and, now uh, I know why you bounce around the rate, the rankings all the time. I'm like, "Oh, that must be a week where Finnegan didn't
2: post." You know what's <laughs> funny? It's 100 percent my fault.
0: So we probably we probably share some listeners with Corolla, and you know. Uh, he doesn't. There's not a whole lot of effort on that show, <laughs> and and I've been on that show before, and I came up through the ranks of radio with Adam. He, I actually, pr- I produced the morning show that he was on, and it's interesting. Like that show just does well because it's him, and he's just doing his shtick, talking about him. And there's a little bit of car talk in there, but <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's Adam well. Corolla oh, plus cars.
2: It's I've Adam. Pr- on it once with Freiberger, and we might as well have not even been there. It really, was awesome. it, it, was so, it was. It was so easy.
0: Wow. It's just Adam talking about Adam's stories and his memories, and then there might be a guest chiming in every once in a while.
2: So Yeah, I- like, like he asked me, you know, about drag wheel racing, and I think I got like nine words in, and then he was off on another tangent. And to be honest, when I was there, I was like, whatever, don't care. This is fun as hell to listen to him. <laughs> squirrel.
0: Squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, him. for him, it's like, mm, hey, how about my BMW M3? You know, I got it. You're like, uh, wait, BMW. hold on. Look at my Datsun. You see my Datsun?
1: <laughs> by the way, uh, the Truck Show podcast now presented by Nissan. So yes, we probably shouldn't make fun of uh, yeah. Adam's Datsun. It's so funny,
0: much. though. But I'm, I'm clowning Adam, and he could buy <laughs> all three of us 10 times oh, over. Uh, yeah. Uh, the guy with, like, a Lamborghini and an elevator in his garage. You know about that, right? Yeah. You know he has an elevator in his garage that brings his Lamborghini up to into his living room. So that's for reals. Okay,
1: so that's a that's a whole that's different level. Insane. Like I've known Mike for a long time, and Mike, I, I've it's been awesome to see your success and see all the different things that you've been into. And you know, whether it's Finnegan's garage or roadkill or Finnegan's Speed Marine or or the podcast or the hundred other things you have going on, it, I've always been like, man, you know, it's good to see my buddies who are out there being successful. Dude, you and I don't even rank on the
2: Adam Corolla. <laughs> if I had, a, oh,
1: if I had uh, an elevator, it would probably be to take, like, the dirty clothes upstairs or something, <laughs> not my Lamborghini. Right.
2: We're so not in the same realm. That would never even occur to me. Like, hey, you could have an elevator built put a car in your living room. Like, that's not even in the realm of possibility. But I'll tell you one thing that I'm sure Corolla would not do for you. I'm standing in my driveway. It's like 85 degrees out and 90% humidity, and I'm doing that for you. That's how excited I am, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yes. my basement garage is air-conditioned, but I will lose my cell service if I stand in there. So I walked out here, and I'm like, I don't care how long we're yes. to stand out here. And-
0: Yay,
1: thank you, Mike Finnegan.
0: I need to rewind the clock a little bit, because we started the show saying that you're a truck guy, how did you get into this line of work? Go all the way back to high school or junior high or even grade school.
2: Oh god, that's so easy. Uh, a team, Dukes of Hazard, Knight Rider, Fall Guy, TV shows with rad cars,
0: Chips,
1: Airwolf, just oh, because they're like the fringe Chips. but awesome. So, so that's, oh, no,
2: Chips that, was rad too because Chips always had cool cars oh, and the crashes. An episode where, oh yeah. yeah.
1: When was, the, when like was the last time you watched Chips? Because I found it on like some obscure cable channel like a month ago. And I'm like, every car they crashed was something that is highly coveted at Barrett Jackson right now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? Chips is one of the few that, like, it still holds up. Like I've gone totally. back and watched. I've gone back and watched stuff that. Sucks. <laughs> you're
0: insane! It does not hold up. Yes, Chiefs it does. So oh, pain. you're wrong. Listen, no, I no, love it, no, I, guys. Guys, I I love wrong. it, but it does not hold up. It, the music, wait, don't. Uh, it's uh, awesome. It, the yeah. hairstyles, punch, all of it. Drawn, it all holds just, up. It does none yes, of it holds absolutely.
2: up. Well, no, but yet what you have to remember is I'm comparing this to other things I've watched recently that do not hold up. Like there was a show called. Street Hawk and it was basically Night Rider with a guy on a motorcycle I remember that and <laughs> it was horrible when I rewatched it like a year ago I was like what the hell this is the worst anything I've ever seen but I kept watching it because I'd see people in there like George Clooney is the bad guy getting away in a 69 charger in an episode of street hawk and i was just like mind, mind, mind blown i'm like okay i'm all in i don't care how bad jesse hawk is of an actor i don't care how crappy the effects are i'm in so i watched like i bootleg the whole dvd and watched the
0: whole thing. <laughs> well, but okay so i see you you've got enthusiasm for vehicles but then how does that actually turn into the first inkling of a career
2: oh yeah yeah okay so i'm the kid in high school that um I had the recycler paper and the auto trader tucked in my English book every day. All I I wanted a car in the worst way, and my dad was like, "Get a job." So I don't think he thought I'd quit sports, but I did. I chucked. I was a pretty decent athlete, so I chucked all that. Got a wait, job wait, back. Wait, at wait, what kind of sports? What oh, you... soccer, basketball.
0: Oh, so uh, everything. Okay.
2: Yeah, I I just loved. I don't know. I loved running. I loved competing. I loved bodyboarding and surfing and just. I love being outside. And where did and you so, where did
0: you where'd you grow up around in Orange County?
2: Uh, well, so I was born in Fullerton, but my dad worked for Vons grocery company. And every time Vons opened up a new store, they'd send my dad there to, like, make sure stuff worked. So I've lived everywhere from Clovis to Oceanside. Um, I went to high school in Temecula um, when there was only one high school there. Uh, what else? Chino Temecula's Hills. huge now, too. Have you seen Temecula lately? Temecula is... It's, oh, my it's God. It's becoming
0: the, the, yeah, the, the wine, there's all, wine capital
1: south. Southern like California, N- yeah. The, south, there's right. almost
0: no break. And you, you remember when you used to take the 15
1: from Corona, and you'd have that nice long break after Elsinore? Now it's like... We used to
2: ride our dirt bikes
1: across the 15 yes, out there. <laughs> dude, and now it's like from Elsinore to Murrieta and Temecula is like one solid city now. It's cr- it's
0: crazy. People who are listening but, on the East Coast have no
2: have idea have no what we're idea, talking about, but it's
1: but,
0: just it's desert and houses forever. Yeah, for days. For days. Yeah.
2: In high school, I had no idea what I was doing. And it was it was a weird high school. Like, there was no pressure to do anything. I, I never saw a counselor unless I got into a fight. And nobody ever said, this is what you're supposed to be doing. So I never took the SATs. I had no plan to go to college. All I wanted to do was work on my Camaro. And so after high school, I enrolled in a couple of community colleges and just took random-ass courses like badminton. Now, and photog- in, photography
0: but mike in in high school are you an auto shop or what how are you oh yeah
2: yeah temecula valley was rad it had an auto shop um so i took auto shop in high school but after that I, I had no formal training in cars like when i got out of high school i remember my first mini truck i needed a car alarm put in it and i didn't know how to do it so i went to circuit city yes and <laughs> yes, had the car did. alarm installed <laughs> and uh and i left there with a job somehow I was like, I don't know anything about this, and they hired me anyway. So my first real job in the industry was slamming head units and speakers in cars down in uh, Laguna Hills at Circuit City.
0: Now, was that like Clifford, or what? What were you installing? What was the the alarm <laughs> oh, of the yeah. uh, Clifford, right? Viper, yeah, oh, Probably Viper,
2: Clifford. Vipers Viper. were not big.
0: The, Vipers were not big then. It was, uh, see, that's pre. That's uh, so. This is, this is mid 90s, like 96, yeah. five.
2: No, I graduated in 93, so this is okay. 94, 95. Okay. And around that time, so I graduated high school, go to work at Circuit City. My dad ends up taking a job in New York, so my whole family goes. And I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm not leaving SoCal. And I was in love with a girl at the time, so I stayed for... I don't know, about a year and a half, just living in the third car garage of a relative's house, and you know, a few times a year it rained, my garage flooded, so my house <laughs> flooded basically. And and I was living in the third car garage, and occasionally my mini truck would be in there with me. Like I would I would sleep in the bed of my truck. So
1: you're not time. that far <laughs> removed from Corolla with his Lamborghini in his uh, in his living room.
2: <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, I, I'd say I pioneered that move. I really did. I don't think he had it back in '95.
1: You heard it here first, people,
2: right? <laughs> no. So wait,
0: paint the picture of this. Uh, of this one studio <laughs> garage that you're st- you're sleeping in. It's awesome. what is this? Okay,
2: so it's Brea, and in the city of Brea, like there, you can't have fun in Brea. You no, can't you park can't. on the street next to the curb. You can't you need work a permit. on your stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was renting the third car garage of a family friend relative's house for like a hundred bucks a month, and whenever I'd park too many days out on the street, I'd get a ticket, and so. Oddly enough, at one point, there was two of us living in that third car garage, me and a buddy of mine. <laughs> and once he moved out of the third car garage, it was all mine. I was like, game on. I'm moving my truck in here. You know, I'm avoiding the tickets that I can't afford to pay. Was your
1: tailgate your couch?
2: Um, it depends on how far, like, to get to the shower, because there was like a shower stall in there. The truck <laughs> what? had to be out a little bit. So, <laughs> so, so did you have to what? take
1: a shower with the, with the garage door open?
2: oh so so it's a it's a three it's a third car garage so yeah it's one car right yeah i had blue home depot Astrodrift carpet Yeah, myself i had a stand-up stall shower in there and just like a little nightstand and before the truck was in there i had like a, a twin bed in there it's too small for me that is what i had and then on the <laughs> nights where the truck had to be in there i would just throw the mattress in the bed of the truck
0: you know, so who has fresh. a who has a, a shower in their third car garage? Like how did it-
2: Oh, that was already there. That was the that was the scheme was these people had already like <laughs> schemed we're gonna turn this into an apartment, you know?
0: Oh uh, um, totally out of code. And- yeah. Oh, well, oh god yeah. What did god, so did your girlfriend
1: at the time have her own place? Please say yes. <laughs>
2: oh god no. God no. Her parents thought I was the biggest nerdbag ever. Oh, like, dude. She, she uh she lived up in Chino Hills on the top of the hill and she was awesome. But I, they were never happy when she came to visit me. <laughs> I like, can't imagine why. Yeah, I mean, listen. You're they, going to that guy with that truck that throws sparks on the ground. <laughs>
0: you, you, by the way, you they didn't just believe it. You were a dirtbag. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you were living that life so oh, fully where does it go from there how do you turn your life around like what's <laughs> i guess you're no, not a drug addict yeah, down yeah, on the floor but turn around <laughs> nobody's just...
2: living in a freaking garage yeah, he
1: just needs a good job that's all
2: <laughs> <laughs> so i uh, you know i had no plan i've literally flown by the seat of my pants my whole life and and so i had no plan but i ran out of money and i thought you know what i'm just gonna crash with my folks so i packed Everything I owned, which wasn't much. It was like my snowboard, my surfboard. Your my nightstand. Clothes.
0: What happened to the Circuit yeah. <laughs> City gig? What, wait, wait, wait. Where, where did that go south?
2: So, so that was. You so
0: were making relive. the mad Circuit City cash. <laughs> oh, God.
2: Dude, Circuit City was just a nightmare. So it was in Laguna Hills. I lived in Brea. The traffic was insane. I got a tattoo. They hated that. Like they were riding me and I was making like six bucks an hour or something. You know, you got to buy your own tools. It's six bucks an hour. The commute is horrible. It, it just I didn't care. And so I just chucked it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to jump my mini truck and drive all the way to New York and go crash at my parents' place for free and just figure out my life. And so I do that. I I leave California with four blown air shocks in my truck and (laughs) I I ride on the bump stops all the way there.
1: Oh, Oh, man. uh, What was it? Was it a Toyota at the time? I'm trying to remember.
2: Yeah, it was a, a, a 94 Toyota mini Truck. Yeah, okay. I thought for Google.
1: sure he was going to say a hard body.
2: Oh, no, no. no. That would be
1: great I, for our I, new sponsor presented by Nissan. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, I, I would have loved to have had a high, hard body because they had more room inside of them. Yeah, they and did. They, tuck, they, they tucked more room when you body dropped them. I mean, they were cool. They were They cool. were really cool. But the, the thing about the Toyota was you could go down to Longo Toyota uh, out there in El Monte and buy one for seven grand brand yeah. new yeah it was you the know?
1: uh the sunday paper special that was the
2: it's, that's exactly yeah, what it was no right mirror no
1: ac nope. no radio no vinyl bench seat no back bumper all day long for seventy nine ninety nine through the 90s and then probably got to like eighty nine ninety nine toward the end all day long and i remember that truck was the lost leader and they would always have the little vin number be like one vin number but that truck they always had that one to get you in and it had nothing
2: <laughs> oh, no power no power steering, dude.
1: Yeah, Nothing. no no uh, tack windows. either, right? I don't think they had tacks
2: on those. Oh, no, no tack. I mean, I'm surprised I never blew that thing up. You know, because I was on 15s with little tiny BF Goodrich Euro radial TAs and yes. a, four in, a four inch <laughs> fart pipe and my Sprint by Competition funnel cover. And, you know, I thought my truck was fast. Basically, first gear was useless because of all the gear. <laughs>
1: you know, what's funny mean, was, is you hear the story now, and like back then, you're like, Dude, I'm hot shit. This is awesome.
0: When you look back and it's almost like we were caricatures of ourselves. Yes. You know,
1: like, it's like, did, did, is that really the, what well, we did? The rest
0: of the country was looking at us laughing and we're like, you don't even know, bro. Yeah. You don't even know. <laughs> we got to go. Now, wow, was, now, was your bed, did you have a walkthrough with 18s in your bed or did you, were you the stereo kind of guy? Because you came out of Circuit City. Like, that was the time when everybody would cruise down to Balboa Island in Newport Beach you know, on Saturday nights and get tickets for tint and too low and <laughs> Noise. too loud and the whole thing. And guys were doing, that was like walk through city, right? Was
2: oh dude. So I, I'd cruise Huntington main street and just make sure I get tickets and damn near get my car and pat, my truck. And pat it. But I uh, know <laughs> I couldn't afford the stereo. Like I had a head unit and two sixes in the doors. That was it. I had no money. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I dumped all my money into like the air suspension, which I couldn't even afford to do that. Right. Like I had four wheel Rancho air shocks which was cool, right? And I had them keyed to two Schrader valves in the cab of the truck, and then I had a CO2 bottle <laughs> laying on the floor of the truck with no regulator. So I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd drive down Main Street, right? And I'd, I'd, I'd look, okay, no cops, and my girlfriend would push two pencils into the Schrader valves and start dropping the truck like a block before I wanted to you know, drag it in front of people. And so then I'd be dragging it, and I'd go, okay, we gotta raise it back up. And she'd put the Schrader valve from the CO2 bottle onto the Schraders, lift the truck up, but if she didn't get the valve closed quick enough because there was no regulator, the shocks would explode. And then my truck would be stuck there on Main Street in Huntington, like just spinning tires, not going anywhere.
0: Now, you, so you did that. You got stuck.
2: I got stuck twice. I'm yeah. sure
1: I saw Mike before we met because I grew up in Huntington, and there were many a night where I was sitting there on Main Street watching people do that. For those of you off. that don't,
0: every city has a cruise spot. Yeah. Well, Main Street in Huntington is is the spot. There was well, Whittier, and there yeah. was and there was Huntington and Newport, but Huntington, this is this is Surf City, and this yeah. is where all when you okay hold on, we're talking about you guys have seen Baywatch. That's all bullshit. Yeah, they is watch bullshit. just shot in Santa Monica <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and those are ugly English people, okay? <laughs> with with guys with speedos. Yeah, yeah. The real beautiful people are in, in Huntington. Huntington. So, that
1: is so it. I grew up in Huntington, went to Huntington High School. I still live in Huntington. It's my hometown. And you got to remember back in the in the early to mid 90s, Huntington Beach was where the OP Pro Surf competition was. Ska and punk bands were doing it out in local bars.
0: Um there was a huge music scene. They own the a- trademark by the way, Surf City. They do own the trademark. I'm-
2: yeah. Dude, I bought 40 ounces of Freedom out of the trunk of a car.
0: You probably bought it from the band because they yeah. were
2: talking it. Yeah, from
1: someone. Yeah, wine. And, I mean, that's how it was, though. I mean, it, Huntington Beach is in Orange County, so south of L.A., and it was a hotbed of, you know, when people say SoCal has no culture, they don't get it. The beach culture in Southern California was the quintessential palm trees, beach, beautiful women, the pier. But on top of all that, the vacation-y sort of stuff – it was hardcore music scene. Like there were so many bands formed in this part that, that you would know today that got huge on the radio station that that Lightning was on. That were Huntington Beach bands. I mean, huge.
2: Oh yeah, huge. that was a place that was awesome for everything except people who liked cars because the cops. The kids. cops. The cops were dicks.
0: They did not yeah. like young goatee yeah. dudes or any no. of that stuff. Or whether <laughs> it was whether it was lifted, lowered, and then what happened too around Tint. the t- around the time that you were were hanging out down there. All the guys from the 909. Yep. You, you may or may not have heard that term, but if you're Southern California, you knew what a 909er is. But that's the desert yeah. that's about 40 miles southeast of, of uh, Orange County, and those people would come in on the weekends to the beach and, and take tear all, it up. They tear it up and they'd come yeah. go in the water with their jean shorts on and all that stuff. Well, and back then and you just, had
1: all the factions too. You had the surfers. You had the dirtbags, you had the punk rockers, you had the white supremacists, and then they were all mixing down there. So you'd have bar fights, and Huntington Beach was famous for a couple riots that happened in the in the 80s uh, during the surf competitions. There's a riot where they overturned a couch and lit on fire, overturned a police car. So it was kind of a crazy time back then. It's this sort of like sleepy little beach town every other time, but man, summer comes and everybody comes here and everybody's fighting for their little piece of the action, their, their faction, their, their, uh, their, their um, hobby. And so again, car guys, motorcyclists,
0: punk rockers, uh surfers. All oh, there, there, would, there would be some times on Main Street, and Mike, you remember this, where you couldn't find a spot because it was all street bikes. It was yeah. literally oh, hundreds yeah. of street bikes. And then the choppers took yeah. over. So Mike, you are doing all this stuff in Huntington and uh, and getting stuck on Main Street with your with your girl operating your Schrader valve. <laughs> <laughs> you flash forward to like what, what happens after that?
2: Okay, so you know, Sean mentioned something cool was that, you know, Huntington Beach was a barometer, right? And he was right, because I leave California, I drive to Orange County, New York, which was weird. And <laughs> uh, I went from one Orange County to another. I get there and Orange County is easily eight to ten years behind the West Coast in terms of cars. Like it was I rolled in there in my mini truck and there was one other mini truck. And it was on static suspension and people, I I just like the first day I was there, there was some local car crews and I roll in there scraping and people looked at me like my head was on backwards. (laughs) But there was was one other guy who had a mini truck. So instantly we were the idiots. And so the idiots got together and um, ultimately he opens up a shop working on mini trucks and I'm hanging out with him and helping out. And one summer while I'm there, we're at a truck show, and we've got a couple customers' trucks. And this guy's walking around with a camera. And I'm like, "What are you What are you doing?" He's like, "Well, you know, it's my job. I take pictures of cars at car shows, and then I go home and write about them." I'm like, "Really? You can get paid for that?" He <laughs> says, "Yes." And I'm like, "Sold! Best job <laughs> in the world." <laughs> Yeah, so, I, so I'm, I'm still in college at this point. I'm, I'm six years into community college with no direction. <laughs> so I go back the next semester and I cram 20 units into one semester, took every writing, every photography course I could, graduate with my uh, AA, pack all my crap back up into uh, a trailer with my mini truck and go back to California. And the guy that I met was Courtney Hallowell. Who, yeah. was an editor at, who was an editor oh, at Minitruck and Magazine? Wow.
0: Yeah. So, you were you, has, was Courtney in any clubs back then? Because ultimately Courtney was yeah. Mr. Negative Camber, right?
2: Yeah. So at that time, he was in Negative Camber. He was in that one, God, for the longest time. Um, and so I get to California, and by then, he had left Minitruck and he went on to Street Trucks Magazine. But I knew uh, one of the guys that worked there. And when I left New York, He's like, hey, I'm going to quit. I'm like, dude, don't quit till I get there. Like, I don't want anyone (laughs) else to get that job. I want that damn job. So, I have the worst road trip any human's ever had getting there. Like, we could have a whole other show about that one road trip. (laughs) I get there, finally, flat broke, and I'm living in a motorhome in front of Courtney Hallowell's house for, I don't know, a month solid with my girlfriend before I get a job at Mini Trucking. And that's it. I'm in publishing for i don't know 2000 to 2009 somewhere around there before where where did this
0: where did this mystery motorhome come from that you're living in was that courtney's or (laughs) is that
2: no so growing up my dad worked six days a week every week but once every summer he would take two weeks off we jump in the motorhome and go out just wherever and uh my dad always had a jet boat little big block powered jet boat and we'd hit he'd hitch it to this motorhome and we just go terror terrorize the country and on a road trip every summer well when i left new york they still had that motorhome and uh, at that point the thing only had like forty thousand miles on it because we didn't use it but once a year so dad's like you know take this thing drive it do whatever you got to do i'm like sweet so i threw all my stuff in it and bought a car trailer put my mini truck on the car trailer and uh left in the motorhome and we road tripped that thing all the way back to SoCal and lived in it for I don't even exactly know how long we lived in it, but we were living in front of Courtney's house when I first got
1: there. <laughs> Man, that that is so awesome. so I gotta know, what what was the motorhome based on? Was it like a Dodge with a four forty wedge motor in it or something like that? Or was it a Conno No, line? it was a
2: Class C, which is okay. the one that has the queen bed over the front. Yeah. So it looks like a van. And it was a twenty eight foot long sun crest, which is uh, Ford four sixty powered. Nice. And um Got like three miles to the If gallon, you're lucky, downhill. <laughs> towing my
1: I can't even imagine what that would have been like driving through like Nebraska with a headwind, you know, towing, you know, you're, you just, oh, I hope it had dear. a lot of, you know, a lot of fuel tank capacity.
2: It was horrible. That's why I ran out of money. <laughs> I, un- I underestimated what it would cost to drive the thing there, and I ran out of money in Texas. The car club I was in took up a collection. Oh my God, dude. you weren't we even close. Money to get home. No, I was nowhere near. Oh. Like, this, this here's an example of how bad this road trip was. I ran out of money. I tried to hit truck shows all, along the way, right? So in Tennessee, I stopped for Mini Truck and Nats in Pigeon Forge. Don't tell Went me you hunt. tried
0: to win the, the the money for the award, right? You were going no, like no, no. to win like a thousand dollars coming in first place. <laughs>
2: I just I wasn't broke at that point. I still had money in Tennessee, but I just wanted to cruise my mini truck around, right? And this is one of the biggest shows ever. So we roll into Tennessee, go to unload my truck off the trailer and the ball joints had broken because <laughs> oh I, had been towing, I had been towing it laid out on the trailer and the angle on the upper ball joints on the upper control arms was so bad, they just snapped while we were towing it. And so wow. this is, it's a brand new 97 Tacoma. This is in 2000. You couldn't go down to a dealer and find ball joints for a Toyota Tacoma. Nobody had them. And it was Saturday. The Toyota dealer was closed. So I spent most of that trip with my damn mini truck stuck on the trailer. Um, I finally get it fixed, and we show up in Texas for Texas Heatway, which is another big show. Unload the truck off the trailer. Check into Holiday Inn. Come back out 20 minutes later. Somebody had already broke into my truck and ripped off my whole system. Oh, <laughs>
0: oh man. No, was like Texas- no No alarm on this thing?
2: It had one. It didn't even matter. <laughs> it didn't Uh-oh. even matter. And, and I don't cleared.
1: even know, is is Heatwave still around? Because back when we were doing this, it was like the biggest show of the year. That thing was a beast. We had a, lot of, a yeah. lot of Texas Heatwave stories in Mike
0: and I's portfolio
2: in the Wayback Machine. Is that
0: one like South Padre Island somewhere down there? Or no. No, Austin. Austin? Oh, okay.
2: And the best trucks were there. Like, yeah. like Texas at that point, I think, had California covered in terms of yeah. who was building the most crazy stuff. It's so, almost like the Texans
1: said, uh, what are you doing in California? Okay, hold my beer, right? And watch this. And, and they really, I mean, there was a battle for a while for, you know, magazine covers and stuff. It was like Texas, California, nobody else really mattered because that's where all the action I was. I feel
0: like it's still kind of that way today. They as yeah, far as different level though,
1: right? I mean, the, the, the times have changed. The medium has changed. It's not necessarily, you know, print magazines anymore. It's Instagram now, things like that.
0: But yeah, I mean, there's always been sort of that that rivalry. So you get out here, you're living in the motorhome in front of Courtney's. Uh, was he on that uh, the one street? So he he was his house is on the corner, right? So you were obvious, yeah, sitting right out Tango there.
2: Avenue. <laughs> it was a it was a flop house. So it, so around that time, I think my my girlfriend and I had broken up during the road trip. Oh when we God. arrived there
1: oh man i got a
2: job we got an apartment we broke up again like it, it, it was bad we should not have moved together and we did um and so at one point i'm living in the tango avenue house with courtney and captain and this house is a flop house i mean like if the tv's on you don't lay on the floor to watch it like the floor is disgusting <laughs> and, it, and it was three guys three three very busy immature guys who were all like I didn't make that mess. I'm not cleaning it up and we're all saying the same thing, so nothing ever got cleaned. Like every time I brought a chick home, if she needed to shower, I dude, here. Like, good luck. Here's a hose, the dude in is, the yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bathroom is disgusting. You're better off doing that in the front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It so was, you go bad.
0: so you're living in the motorhome and how do you so you've got this new job where the, the so the guy didn't quit until you get there, right? Yep. Then then you then how does it are you do you feel natural right at home with this new gig, or do you,
2: do no, you settle I, right in? I'm totally underqualified for this job. I got the job at Mini Trucking because I rolled in there with my mini truck dragging and I ripped the roll pan half off the truck coming into the driveway. <laughs> and the, edit, the editor comes was out,
1: that the Placentia sees, building at the time?
2: Yeah, oh yeah that was oh, yeah. and that driveway was A like driveway.
1: yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> and so Lance Mars, editor of Mini Trucking at that point, comes out. Do you remember his, his license plate?
3: Uh,
1: Yeah. (laughs) Wait, what does it say? I do. Oh, my God. Mike and I used to clown Lance all the time. So he had a Toyota mini truck, Mm -hmm. and he was trying to say making you famous. But the way it was spelled on his license plate, we'd walk up to Lance, and like we would go out to lunch, and we'd be like, Hey Lance, and he'd be like, "What?" We'd be like, "Mekafumf," and he'd go, F- "You guys!" <laughs> and we, I mean, we we were brutal like all the time. We'd be like, "Hey, hey Lance, make a famous. <laughs> and we—I mean, it was so funny.
3: Was, we
2: we're like, "Well," and it was pretty egotistical too. Like, oh yeah, like we for get sure. it, You're the cool magazine guy. You're the editor, but you don't need a license plate that says making, making you famous. Come on. I'm not so. I'm not standing here on the phone with you without Lance Mark. He hired. Yeah right. You know, and I was so underqualified for that job. Like I took all these courses, and I was a decent writer. But I knew nothing about photography, and the only reason I got the job was I showed up in a truck that belonged on the cover of the truck and magazine. Like, it was that nice. Not to toot my own horn, but he walked out and was like, damn, if you hadn't just ripped the roll pine off, I would have shot this thing for the cover. And he says, if you can build them, you could probably write about them, so we'll teach you how to take pictures. And um, and so that was how I got my foot in the door, and I don't know. I was there two years before I went to Off-Road magazine and I wasn't at Off-Road Magazine very long because they just burned me out. Um, Like, the old editor got canned. I somehow just, by default, ended up the editor of Off-Road Magazine. I had no staff, no budget. Like, I think I was there a year before I was like,
0: Audi's gone now. At Mini and Magazine, Mike, were was there anything that you were really impressed by? Because you were kind of at the top of the game at that point. You know, you had built the rad truck and the whole thing. But was there? Were you coming in contact with with builders or or fans that were like next level?
2: Yeah, the cool thing about working there is so that office was in um, the city of Placentia, right? Which is right in the heart of everything. Like we were blocks away from Master Image Customs where Sean Mahaney worked. And I mean, he was like the OG godfather builder of all the good mini trucks. So I was down there all the time. Um, In fact, they had Lance's truck at the time. So I was down there all the time to check out Lance's truck and take photos, but I got to see everything else they were building. And then it was basically, you know, my job to just go out and find cool trucks and so all i did was hang out at shops and and what that ended up doing for me was i realized i really didn't care about photography that much i just wanted to build cool stuff and go racing and i couldn't afford to do it i couldn't afford to pay someone to do it so while everybody i worked with would invest in a new camera every year i was just buying tools and renting shop space and building my own stuff And so you got the combo of my job was to hang out with people that knew more than I knew about building them. And then I'd go home and just do nothing but wrench on my own stuff and learn the hard way. And so that's kind of how I ended up working at various magazines, learning different skills. And so now like I've worked at hot boat magazine, off road magazine, mini truck magazine. So now anytime I build something, all those influences are there. Like if I, if I four link a truck or, you know, if I mount an engine into a truck, I end up mounting it with like aluminum plates, like you would see in a drag boat, because that's just kind of what I dig, you know?
0: I wondered how, because, you know, watching your shows on Motor Trend, you are a master mechanic, but it didn't, you didn't start out that way. I obviously auto shop back in high school, but that doesn't really prepare you for being a master mechanic. This is, it's clear that you were influenced by so many greats in the industry.
2: Yeah. And i to be honest, I'm really not a master. I'm, I know. A little bit about a lot of different things. But it I, I it seems,
0: I, I don't know, unless they're doing some really nice editing
1: on the yeah. show. I, you know, it's funny because my story parallels Mike in a lot of ways where I wasn't a photographer. I was a writer. I loved cars. I loved all that stuff. I learned about it. Um, and and I feel like I'm the, it was the same way as Mike where I knew a little bit about everything, which was like just enough to be dangerous, right? Like, um, you know, we could kind of pass – off ourselves as as being the all-knowing magazine guy but the reality is we're always learning always learning there wasn't a time that you went anywhere where you're like i'm too good for this or anything like that like we were always learning it was it was always fun
2: that was the best part about that job is anywhere i went like whether it was like a a long lead to you know to drive a new truck or whatever i probably knew less than everyone in the room so i was just a sponge I, i wouldn't talk i would just sit there and listen to everybody Um, and at some point you know you you break enough stuff you watch enough people you you have to get better at it you know it's inevitable and so definitely not a master not at all like but I can yeah, I can weld and build bracing engines and wire stuff and plumb stuff, and I don't do body work, and I don't paint. I have no interest
0: in How this much did there. your father having that jet boat prepare you for Hot Boat Magazine, and what was your experience there? I know this is obviously, this is the truck show podcast, but I am curious because, just because oh. it has an engine, it, you know, boating is very different.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and a jet boat is, I mean, that's as visceral as it gets, like, so I'm... We started boating in that little jet boat. I was probably three at the time. So I've spent my entire, you know, adult and adolescent life sitting next to a big block Chevy because this little jet boat, it had four seats and the rear seats were next to the motor. It's amazing you're not deaf. Yeah, what? I am. am, It's it's bad. Um, And so, you know, when I've... I remember this is the moment, right? So every time we'd get in the boat, I'd sit back there, my seat, my brother would be across from me and my dad would go to start the motor. And if it didn't start, he'd go, okay, hold the choke. And I'd have to (laughs) reach up there of this giant animal that wanted to kill me and hold the little lever up while he hit the key. And as soon as it lit off, I pull my arm back, you know, and the motor was crazy because it was a 455 olds, and the way it was plumb and the, the spark arrestor that was on top of it, it looked like a person, like it had a head. <laughs> it, the wow. valve covers, the valve covers looked like arms that were kind of folded. You know, it was like it was like a like this big beast that was going to jump out of the boat and kill me. Just mean looking. So, so as, a yeah, tri-
0: as a child, did you have nightmares about this? Because a lot of times that will happen.
2: No, I, I really didn't. It just, um, I don't know what happened. It scared me, but I always wanted to sit next to it. I never really wanted to <laughs> so sit you were So you,
0: you were trying to conquer the beast. Yeah.
2: I didn't know if I was or not. I was just, I was so intrigued by it. I wanted to know how it worked. I wanted to, I wanted to know how to make it go faster because his, his wasn't fast enough. Like I quickly realized, so my dad had a big block power jack boat, but it was bone stock. When I inherited that boat from him, he didn't die, but he gave it to me at some point. It was like 30 years old when I got it from him. And you re-rigged that
1: whole thing and you added some serious power to that boat and you went racing in that boat, right?
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But that boat, when I got it from my dad, had the stock spark plug wires after 30 years. (laughs) He he never, he maintained everything perfectly, never upgraded anything because he didn't want it to break and he was not a hot rodder. So my dad had new cars. So I was, you know, when I was growing up, I was just a disappointment to him on many levels because I, was his, <laughs> I was staining his driveway every weekend you know um, I, my high school prom I wanted to take my mom's Corvette she had an 82 and the deal was if I changed the oil I could you know I could drive it to prom well I did and I didn't know you had to wipe the gasket with oil to make it seal so fired the car up at the top of the driveway and <laughs> it, just, it just rained oil down the damn driveway. And I didn't at 15, I didn't know any better, so I got out the garden hose and rinsed the rest of the oil down oh. the driveway. <laughs> it just made it worse. Was that know?
1: the same car I remember from hearing on the Kibbe and Finnegan show, was that the same car that during your prom weekend you lost the
2: brakes on? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Wait, what happened? His mom's 82 Corvette that he borrowed. So I went to i think i went to two or three proms like i went to one of my own and then two other ones with some other girls and so the first one that i went to i was 17 right and i was going to temecula valley high and at the time it was junior year my my dad had taken another position so my folks had moved to chino hills and i was still living in temecula uh with some relatives so i had to go out to chino hills damn you guys were straight
0: 909 for a long time
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Land of the Dirt People, all the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is before Flatbill Hats,
1: too, by the way. And Tall Black Socks, but right. getting there, yeah. right? right. And Oh, right yeah, ahead. yeah.
2: It was real close to that happening. Um, and so I, I drove out to Chino Hills, got my mom's Corvette, drove back, and it was like the night before prom, and I get off where the Tom's Farm is over there in... Um, that was
1: the 15 and the 91,
2: right? Yeah, like Cajalco or yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get off there because I'm hungry, and I get to the bottom of the ramp, and there's no brakes, dude. And so I make a hard right, a hard left. I'm into the AMPM parking lot and just stop before a wall. Where's the and e-brake in
0: that car? Is it on the floor or in the center console? I can't remember. It's in the
2: center. Okay. It's in the center. That was. It was at that point after turning twice, I went, oh, wait, e-brake. So I grabbed it, <laughs> and I get out, and I pop the hood, and there's no brake fluid in the car. I don't even know where it went, you know? So I buy brake fluid, put it in there, and I don't know any better. I'm, I think I'm 16 or 17 at this point. I just put brake fluid in it and keep driving it and lost the brakes at one point during prom weekend one more time. I think if that chick's parents ever do these stories, they'd want to kill me for <laughs> killing their daughter. But, uh,
1: Multiple times. If I remember correctly, you went to Hot Boat,
0: and then you came yeah. back because you were the editor of Sport Truck for a while, right? You're, you're, yeah, so you're, you're, you're about, Hold on, hold on. Holman, you're about to crush potential Havasu stories. Oh, dude! Well, this is—we know we
1: got—we no, got to have up. Mike on again. It's, I feel like we—we uh, oh, got to... every. Hold on, Mike and I probably have Havasu stories hold together it. from the Truck and
0: Nationals. Mike, out there. I won't ask you about Havasu if you promise to come sure. on again.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and I can tell you a little bit. Like, let, let's talk about <laughs> Hotboat real quick. All right. Because Hot is an interesting moment in my life. So I leave Off Road Magazine, um, and I go to work at Hotboat and they hire me as the editor. But I get there. And I'm actually not the editor. I don't even know how this happened. But as it turns out, there's really no editor there, like per se. The head ad salesman actually run ran that deal. He was in charge of everything. And if you wanted to be on the cover of Hot Rod, Ma- Hot Boat Magazine, you better buy an ad. Is kind of how it worked. It was pretty shady. And um, he's there. His brother works there. They're both selling ads. And what nobody knows is... The older brother is tanking the magazine so he can buy it from Larry Flint, because Flint had it at that point. The younger brother is also thinking of buying it, but he also wants to cut his brother out of the picture. Nobody knows that. And <laughs> I'm caught in the middle going, Uh-oh, this is bad, like this whole scene is bad, <laughs> right? So I've left off-road after a year, I leave Hot Boat after a year, and I take the job at Sport Truck Magazine as editor. And right after I left, maybe a year or two, The younger brother somehow snakes the magazine out from underneath the older brother and they're not speaking and you know whatever it's it's a weird deal whole thing's weird
0: so you dodged a bullet for sure
2: huge bullet huge huge bullet but not before having a lot of fun in lake and we can talk about that you know later on (laughs) okay okay (laughs) um so yeah so now i'm at sports truck magazine uh back working at the same company holman's working at and uh Having the time how was for,
0: forgive me, Mike? How was Sport Truck different than Mini Trucking? What was the because they seem so close? Mm, they're pretty yeah, different. Yeah, well, it, for, it but but so you're weird. in the industry, Holman. Yeah. people listening, I don't what what's the difference. They sound the same. Sport and yeah. Mini Trucking.
2: So at this point, Sport Truck is an old man magazine. Sport oh. Truck, yeah. Mini trucks are all about how low can I make this and how big of a wheel can I stuff under it. When I get there, Sport Truck is how can we make our truck faster? How can we make it handle better? Yeah. They really, you know, right before I got there, they kind of started shifting towards what was cool and what was trendy. But so for it's the a, longest It's the hot
0: rod version it, in the, in it's the truck. Like, industry.
1: It's like the truck hot rodder yeah. or like what might be called. Pro Touring today, something like that, where, you know, you guys, yeah. that's like the land of the 454 SSs and the Ford Lightnings and Understood. things like that, right? Okay. Like, it's that kind of truck. It's 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 a lot of power and good suspension, and you're trying to take a truck and make it handle more like a car. Like, that's... And mini trucking was, honestly, I think more about the culture and the art, because there was some just, you know, the way people built them and fabricated them, the way people, you know, the different finishes at the time and paint jobs, all that. Like, it was more about its, you know... The 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 art. It was
0: more about the bikinis in the back oh, yeah. of the magazine. Well, that's, that's what too. it was about. That yes. too, yeah.
2: Oh yeah, there was an entire page at the back of the magazine just for pictures of people from car shows and truck shows in major. And there is a, I
0: think
1: I made the back of it. it we were at uh, Texas Heatwave, and I still have that picture somewhere. I have to find it and see if we can post it on uh, at Truck Show Podcast. That Mike Alexander took of me, and we're at Texas Heatwave, and just a ten of ten smoking hot blonde is in a tight bikini boltons and she had her bikini as a Texas flag and then Mike you might remember this and I'm like on my knees shooting up at her because it's the bikini contest right And so they're all we were always tight with the shows and they'd be like, oh magazine guys you know you get come come get in the front and you're like okay <laughs> but the picture is I have my camera aimed at her. And I do not have my face in the lens. I'm just looking at her in <laughs> awe.
2: <laughs> there is no film in that camera.
0: <laughs> so now you uh, you move past Hot Boat, and, uh, and that was uh, an avoided disaster. And then Definitely. into a Sport Truck. This is
1: kind of like the formative years of where you're at now. This is kind of where everything sort of started coming together for how you ended up where you are today.
2: I get there. There's already a <laughs> staff in place, right? And the staff is quite good. You know, they're... They really didn't need me like they were already picking their own cover trucks their own stories shooting stuff like it was it was inspiring really and um i get in there and uh i quickly realize, well you guys really don't need me so uh you know do whatever you want (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and i'll just i'll just pick up the slack and in the meantime um i've you know met the woman that would become my wife um I've, uh, I won a championship drag boat racing. I ran sport truck into the ground and got it killed. Um, what else? And then we move on to the next thing. Uh, no, wait, wait, yeah, you, was, you
0: joke about driving it into the ground, but you weren't, you weren't running it. So,
2: well, so, uh, so I was, you know, I was running it. It, it. It's a weird situation. So sport truck, there were two publishing companies and one bought the other and all of the titles got merged together under one roof. So you had Sport Truck competing with Truckin' and Truckin' was a bigger magazine at the Ah. time. And eventually they just started going, well, we don't need these other ones. So they killed Sport Truck. Um,
1: Honestly, that was the beginning of the consolidation era of the automotive magazines where you had 20 companies really turn into two or three companies and now today even less. And so a lot of people wonder, why, why do you guys have so many different magazines of the same subject? Well, because the legacy over the past 15 years, you know, they just, consolidation, consolidation, people would buy each other out and buy the, you know, and uh, it just became kind of a, a weird deal. So uh, I can appreciate Mike saying he ran into the ground, but it was it was a way cool magazine when uh, when they decided to kill it. And it did not have anything to do with Mike.
2: No, nah, I joke about it, but I joke <laughs> about it, but, at, but at the end of the day, I was in charge of that ship when it went down. Yeah, but it you know at the time it was weird because that ship was turning a profit and we were doing stuff that was badass. Like we were. We were making like fold-out posters where if you bought four issues in a row, you'd put them all together and you'd have one life-size poster of Jesse Jane, the porn star. Like, <laughs> we, were, we were having fun at yeah. Sport Truck Magazine. So when it, when it went under, it was a shock to everybody that was on staff, including me. Um, in fact, we, we had just taken a road trip. Like this is, this is kind of the template for Roadkill when you think about it. Kalen Head and I, had taken a road trip and a 73 short bed C10 that I bought for 1500 bucks and it was a piece of crap. And along the way, we stopped in different places to see friends of mine and fixed it up until we reached a truck show in Tennessee and hung out there and drove all the way back home. And when we got home, we wrote stories about all the stuff we did to this truck during this road trip. And we're two days away from going to print on that issue and HR pulls us all into an office and it's like, it's over. And we're like, what do you mean it's over? Yeah, close uh, the magazine. I'm like, why did you let us spend three weeks out on the road? Like, what the
1: hell? Uh, and and you, they- I don't think we knew how, how good we had it back then. And and I know we bitched a lot of who our, our parent company was. But when you look at, like, what happens now, oh, my God, we had expense accounts. Nobody was really tracking money. We were blowing it on all sorts of stupid things we were going on trips that we would decide as editorial staff we must go on this trip you know <laughs> and, and we would go disappear for two weeks out on the open road and come back with a bunch of stories and it just doesn't it's not like that anymore and and back yeah. in that time frame
0: was like the last of the golden era of the the truck magazine and car magazine guy but see where things die when, when where, where where you know trees die other little not yeah. seedlings sprout sure. up and this is what roadkill is that's what he's that's who he's going right, after it's, right this is that free spirit we're going on a road trip we're gonna build a car and No, it... a-
1: absolutely all that might continue but I, I just wanted to put you know put in there so that people can understand like when you're there when it's 2008 2009 the economy's tanking all the people who had all this disposable income we're buying our magazines and parts from our advertisers were going away we were sort of holding on like it's not going to be that bad. And then you start watching, it's like Private Ryan running up the beach, and there goes, oh, there goes Mike Finnegan, you know, he's there's my buddy, he's gone now. And it was like that. I mean, you would come to work, and you'd be like, all right, what'd they kill off today? Or who's not here anymore? And and you look back, you go, man, we, we had it so... So good. Like we didn't even understand. And I think that's there's a lot of things like that in life, right? Where you don't understand it in the moment, but when you look back, it's probably a highlight of your life. And I'm sure Mike, you would agree, those were, like some of the most fun we ever had.
2: Oh yeah. I mean it was great. Like one day the whole office is joking about the mad crapper and trying to catch <laughs> who's who's pooping on the walls in the bathroom. No, wait a minute. Yes. Hold on.
0: Are you talking about K Rock where <laughs> I work? Because we had we had the mad pooper. Uh, we had it, we, uh, we, we we did a takeoff okay. of a yeah, who are you? Who poops? Who pooped? Yeah, we had total team CSI going after the mad pooper. <laughs>
2: we did too. I came into work one day and the bathroom was locked, and I'm like, "Where's the bathroom locked?" And I, I, you have to walk past the receptionist to get into the the office, and there's a key and a sign out sheet. I'm like, "This is hilarious because we're all going to know who poops the most, right?" And I ask like. Why is this locked? They're like, well, because somebody crapped on the walls in the bathroom. (laughs) I'm like, like, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard, right? And about five days later, I go into the bathroom and there's everywhere all over the walls. Nobody cleaned it. I I don't know if they ever caught the person, but I think everyone complains so much about, you know. The bathroom being locked and everybody knowing who's going when and how many times that I think eventually they unlocked the door. And so the mad crapper thing, you know, I don't know, it went away, I guess.
0: So at what point, Mike, do you how did you end up on TV?
2: So I get laid off. Um, <laughs> which is, which is, uh, every great tv is, story
0: um, starts somewhere
2: it, it's amazing well you know every great story starts with something like that it never starts out with so i was having a salad <laughs> was like,
3: you know. yeah, so right. i
2: get laid off which is awesome i recommend it everybody should get laid off at least once it really uh <laughs> really opens your eyes to the world yeah. and uh the best part about getting laid off worst part about getting laid off is we're i'm in the office like the whole staff we're getting laid off and i had just bootlegged my art director from another magazine like a year before i hired this guy paid him well and uh he turns to me in the middle of all of us getting laid off and he goes well thanks mike (laughs) 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 and i look at him i'm like hey buddy i'm out of work too all right (laughs) yeah we're all on the
1: same team on this one
2: so i get laid off and uh i go home and i uh i went drag boat racing (laughs) 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 i was like you know what uh well, I got nothing else to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go drag boat racing. And I just started freelancing, which was great. I highly recommend that. Um, after working for the man, quote unquote, for years, I thought, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing. And so I freelanced for uh, about eight months or something like that. But isn't that, d- doesn't then, that,
0: didn't that kind of scare you at first, though, because you had a steady income. And now you're like, I mean, freelancing, you unless you had an ironclad contract... You well the thing is like we meet so many people and and guys like Mike are so highly regarded like you can find you can find
1: work
2: you can find enough to keep you busy. Oh man, my hat's not going to fit on my head here pretty. <laughs> soon, Thank you. Um it, it was it was a little scary, but to be honest, like I had been renting a shop space and I was working on people's stuff on the side anyway to make actual money cuz we didn't god we didn't make any money back then. I I remember when I got hired at Mini Trucking I made 23 grand a year.
0: But for a mini yes. trucker, that's that's good
2: money. <laughs> not if oh, you want to yeah. buy but, parts. <laughs> yeah, sure. not in Orange County, and not with you. Not if you want to build something or go racing. Yeah, right. So yeah. I was always, I was always doing side work for people, um, working on drag boats or mini trucks or you know whatever, and so I just went and just worked on people's stuff and then wrote stories on the side. And I think I was laid off for I think eight months. And David Freiburger, who was the editor of Hot Rod magazine, called me and offered me a job to come work as an associate editor at Hot Rod. And so I go there and the commute was horrible. I didn't even want to take the job because I lived I lived right next to Angel Stadium at the time with my wife. And um it was 34 miles to El Segundo and it was an hour and 45 minutes each way every day of my life. That is uh, so. so for,
0: for those people that don't know it is the worst traffic in Southern California. Now, that actual interchange yeah. going from the 57 to the 22 up to the 405 Five, I'm not to, that yeah. way it is when when you yep. hear about LA traffic that's which we've it. talked about before that is And the I want to say
1: that that is number 1 or 2 of the busiest stretches of highway in the nation in fact that's my still my commute living in Huntington going to El Segundo every day so i i nothing's changed there mike i know you moved to georgia and i could tell you it is way worse now than it was <laughs> when you were doing it <laughs>
2: I am never coming back. Never.
1: Oh, it makes me sad, <laughs> brother. It makes me sad.
2: Oh, dude, no way. When I, uh, I go to LA all the time for work and when I get off the plane at LAX and I jump into an Uber, I look around and I'm like, Oh God, screw this. I don't want to <laughs> <Yeah>, be here. <laughs> no, I, I hear you.
1: I miss you though. So
2: Freiberger hires me and right away he's like, I can't pay you enough. And, i'm like ah no dude it's hot rod this is the greatest magazine ever like this is a magazine i've read since i was a little kid david Freiburger is a legend i'm gonna learn from this guy so i didn't care about the money so i just start working there and it's the greatest gig ever because once again my job is to go to shops and learn from people and i'm 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 writing stories about how to hot rod your chainsaw <laughs> i'm writing stories about trophy trucks i'm you know i'm hanging out um just with incredible engine builders just soaking it all up it was amazing and within the first assignment i had at hot rod was he said hey we've got this 85 corvette we want to do this store story called vet hack which is a copy of an old store story called caddy hack and it was to see what happens to a car when you just start taking massive amounts of weight off of it. So Freiburger said, take this thing to your shop and wire it so that no matter what we cut off the car, the car will still run. So I did. I put a fuel cell in it. I put a standalone wiring harness in it. I got rid of the TPI injection off and put a carburetor on it. So it was your
1: fault I almost lit that thing on fire. So you don't know this, but when Freiburger was on, we talked about this very car and one of your production assistants at one point for one of the first Roadkill episodes had parked it in the doorway to the warehouse roll-up door in the middle of the night because they didn't want to park it right. And I had come in on Saturday and needed to pull our, our events van out. And so I text Freiberger. I'm like, hey, anything special about starting this thing up? He goes, nope, it'll, it'll start. Of course it doesn't start. And so I throw it in gear, and I just start cranking the uh, starter to move it, and the uh, the solenoid catches fire. And so <laughs> I ended up pushing it and taking a picture of the wiring harness that you put together. And go, sorry about that, burger, Almost burned down your car.
2: <laughs> Holman, you're kind of hard on stuff, dude. Yeah, sorry about that. That never happened to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, so the back to the car. So my first assignment was this thing, right? And we go out to Fontana Raceway. No, no. Toyota Speedway in Ruindale, that's where it was. We go out there with sawzalls and hammers and chisels, and we set up a road course, hire a professional driver. He comes out, makes a lap, and we just start cutting stuff off this car until there was nothing left of this Corvette. It was a dune buggy, and it did go faster. It just handled worse. And we <laughs> because had the
1: spring s- rates were all wrong, right? Because there wasn't any yeah, mass on the suspension.
2: Yeah, there was at some point it got so light that it just would not grip anymore, you know. Um, And so we had this thing sitting there and it went into storage. And when we started doing roadkill trips, that became the infamous vet cart. It was that car from that story that I did in Hot Rod magazine. And we did all I did all kinds of wacky stuff to that thing. Like we tested the leaf blower superchargers on it, on a chassis (laughs) dyno. I opened a nitrous bottle and just fed nitrous to the carburetor without adding fuel on the dyno to see what would happen. Like, just not even plumbed it. Just just opened the valve over the top of the carburetor and watch the nitrous go down it. Like, we did, you know, just any wacky thing, I always wondered what would happen. Freiberger and I did that. It was so cool. But how did, they,
0: how did this morph into video?
2: I'm there, I don't know, I think I'm there in nine months or something. And we decided to take a road trip together. And the company had... Some video people. They didn't. I didn't even think they had a video department. They just had a few people with cameras. And Freiberger was like, you know, hey, we're gonna go on this road trip. Let's just bring this guy Jason Lewis along, and he can film it, and we'll put it on the Hot Rod YouTube channel. And I don't know, the Hot Rod YouTube channel maybe had twenty thousand people following it. So we take a road trip, and it was so much fun. Jason Lewis, as it turns out, is an incredible videographer and editor. He makes this just bitchin road trip video like it was just it captured all of the fun and all of the failure that we had and we threw it on the hot rod YouTube channel and and not many people saw it but somebody at the company had seen it a guy named Angus McKenzie who was a big wig at Motor Trend and next thing you know he tells Freiburger you guys need to keep doing these you have your own show come up with a name and so we were about to launch another magazine called roadkill that was going to be about stuff that was just too fringe too crazy for the hot rod audience and we ended up not launching it and stole the name from the magazine for the youtube show and the youtube show it wasn't like a massive hit right away people were watching it but i remember like we were on blackberries back then so when we made the first episode (laughs) yeah we were like no one's gonna watch a 30 minute long video we're watching three minute cat videos. Like, yeah, there was no is,
1: phone thing. I mean, there was it wasn't like today where you have video players on your phone and all that. and then just to give everybody a backstory, we, our company was engaged by YouTube where they wanted to grow their original content part of the business. So they paid a certain amount of money every year for us to help populate YouTube with these types of shows. and then Roadkill was a benefactor of, of that arrangement.
2: yeah, and, it, and the crazy thing is it wasn't even these types of shows. like it like the motor Turn channel on YouTube. Was car reviews and stuff like that, and then they had this weird thing with Freiberger and I um, <laughs> go, going on, going on road trips, and we didn't like the very first episode. We didn't even know what to do. We like, what's the format? What do we do? What do we call it? What do we say? So were, were you first-
0: were you were you comfortable, Mike, just talking to the camera, just just being you, or how did this evolve? Because here's the thing with with, with you and Freiberger, you guys are so natural on camera. You just it's just, you're my, I'm watching my buddy through the lens of my TV screen.
2: I, I don't know. It was a weird thing. Cause like in the beginning, if you watch him, I think Freiberger does a lot of the talking and I'm just there wrenching more than anything. And I'm, um, by nature, I'm an introvert and I, you know, public speaking used to scare the hell out of me. I would never raise my hand in class. Um, that was just never me. And I don't know what happened. It was one of those things where. I just don't notice the camera so much, and um, you just fall into a rhythm. And he says one thing, and I say another, and they make it sound cool. And I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't even watch the show, so if it sucks, I, I'm really not aware of it. So. I mean,
0: you've I, you, you've seen an episode or two. Are you happy with your performance, or do you? Or do you literally like? I won't watch it because I don't like like some actors. They can't see themselves on screen.
2: No, I um, you know, like, I don't listen to the Kibby and Finnegan podcast because I don't like the sound of my voice. Um, but I don't have an <laughs> versions. Uh, same, th- have... same
1: here. Like I only listen to it for edits when uh, when Lightning's putting it together. I also don't go back and read my stories or watch the videos that I do. I'm just I feel like it's water under the bridge. I got to move on. I, you and I are so much alike in that way.
2: Yeah. So like, like with roadkill, um, I, I, watched a couple of them in the beginning. Um, the first one was hard to watch cause I had a broken front tooth and I didn't smile on purpose the entire episode. Um, cause I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't had it fixed. And, uh, how did you break it?
0: Wait, 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 stop. There's a story. It's a Great story. Yes. Great How'd great you break story. your tooth?
2: That road trip we took, right? Which is you can I think you can still find it on the Hot Rod YouTube channel. And in that road trip, Freiberger and I go to Arizona to Rick Payway's house, and he's got a '66 Buick Special convertible that's been sitting on flat tires for 40 years. It just sunk into the mud. For what and four
0: the, or 4D? Four zero. Forty.
2: Holy. 40, I think it was 43 years it hadn't moved. Okay. So we, we drag it to a place we can work on it. The floorboards are shot. Like the gas pedal, I hit it, it, It. I pushed on it, it fell through the floor to the ground. And so we've got to put floorboards in it to drive it back to LA, that's our goal. And so we're turning stop signs in the floorboards. Um, legally <laughs> obtained stop signs, tell you, legally. <laughs> yes. So we don't have a welder, we're, we're just bending and tech screwing these stop signs to the floor of the car. And at one point, I'm have I have to wire something. So I'm laying with my head on the floor of the car, on the driver's side. Freiberger's on the passenger side with a sledgehammer, and he hits the floor while I'm laying on it, and it chatters my teeth and breaks the left front one. <laughs>
3: oh,
2: how's that for a visual, dude? Oh. And I think uh, at the time I didn't have insurance, so it was just like, ah, oh, well this sucks, but. Oh well, it is what it is. So, I think the very first and second episodes of Roadkill, I don't smile probably once because I'm I've got a broken tooth, and it uh, doesn't stop me from watching it. I don't know what it is. I just I've seen it. I've definitely seen it. I just don't sit down and watch them all the way through. Especially these days, I just don't have time.
0: So here's there's the no thing that I time. love that there's lighting. There's a thing that I love about the show, as opposed to like a lot of the Discovery Channel shows, which are also amazing, but the pacing is different, the attention to detail, and the explanation the exploratory journeys you take us on as viewers into the build, why you're doing what you're doing. It's not all surface. You get they, in there. They you, show failure. That's the biggest thing for me is they show well, failure. So listen, so look at my notes right here. You see what I circled? No, I can't see well, your page it's from cause here. Cause it's upside down. Sorry. Yeah. So Mike said fun and failure. Yeah. Fun and failure. And they are afraid every once in a while. Some of the, some of these shows on, on, you know, major networks will, they'll dabble in some failure, but not real. Like, they're just, they don't feel real. They they're even, not authentic. They're not authentic. And what no. you do is authentic and it resonates. And tell me about you teaming up with um, Fast and Loud. What does that do for the show, if anything?
2: Uh, that was
1: a disaster. Yeah, and the audiences <laughs> were so different. I think the it expectation, was a, it was, was a weird disaster. deal. Well, so the, the, uh,
0: the audience for Fast and Loud is massive, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's massive, but... I don't think that the average person who doesn't drill down into the like the difference of TV shows would understand why these shows are different and how the audiences are different. And that's yeah, why that's why you consider this a, a kind of a, a failure, right?
2: Well, it was a failure for me personally on a couple of levels. Um, it uh, and you know, I'm I'm going to say that it's it was for me personally it was a failure. Um for several reasons, but also it w- it was an amazing experience to do it. But the, the audiences um, are wildly different, and there is some crossover. Uh, the cable audience, as I'm, I'm learning recently because Roadkill is now on cable, is much older, and they're much less likely to seek out things. You know, like uh, my folks, when Roadkill went on Netflix a few years ago, wouldn't watch it on Netflix because it was an extra step on their Smart TV they had to push some more buttons and search something and you know it was for them It was a pain in the ass they would never do it But if they turn on velocity channel and it's just there They don't complain about the fact that they can only watch it when velocity shows it and they don't choose it The roadkill audience starts at age three and goes on up And those people are used to watching stuff when they want it how they want it you know And um they're just two different audiences um And that's not why this was a failure this was a failure because it was, um, it was very staged, and it was kind of a forced thing. And at one point, Freiberger turned to me and said, hey, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to do this. But, and I didn't want to do it. So it was,
0: it was that obvious that Freiberger knew you didn't want to be partisan. How did this come about? How did you set the stage for people who haven't seen that episode of Fast and Loud?
2: How did it start? It, so it, our show is sponsored by Dodge. And Fast and Loud is st- sponsored by Dodge. And at some point, somebody cooked up the idea of us racing. And even though like, we don't have a shop per se, we don't, you know, it really isn't in our wheelhouse. And so we were filming, I think, three episodes with Dodge Integrations that year. And we were in the middle of working on one when they said, you have to do this race at this event at this time And you need to slam a brand new Hellcat motor into something for the race. And Freiberger and I were sitting there going, like, we wrench on stuff on the side of the road. We don't have time. We're literally filming an episode for you guys already right now. There's no time for us to do this. And the Hellcat motor at the time, there wasn't a crate engine package with, like, a standalone uh, PCM and harness. So it was a big deal to swap one of those very time-consuming very labor-intensive you guys
1: had to use a ton of of the modules for you weren't even controlling on the car you ended up swapping it into like you guys had to make make it work and there's just i remember there's wiring harnesses and modules and because you had to make the whole thing happy because it wasn't a crate engine with a standalone controller like you said it was the entire car harness right
2: Right. And and the reason I say it was a failure is that wasn't Freiburger and I. Freiburger and I were out filming other episodes of Roadkill. We couldn't even build the car. And I you know, the thing I like about Roadkill is there isn't an army of people behind the scenes doing the work. It's Freiburger and I doing it. Or Tony Angelo and I doing it, or whoever's on Roadkill hosting with me at the time. And so I, it just chapped my ass that we got we had to do this race and we had to send the car to somewhere else to build it for us and then behind the scenes um the guys at fast and loud knew this and they knew what we were building and
0: oh that so that chapped that that chapped them i'm sure
2: right and and the the crap part is is there was this kind of fake social media warfare thing happening you know like they call us out, we call them out. And they knew we weren't building the car, so they backed a bus over us on social media and in the episode I think. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it that we didn't build our own car. And it was like
0: Oh, really? They outed you? So Hell yeah. So Richard yeah. lit you I'm up? Like, I didn't know oh, that.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, you know, Dude, screw you! You knew we couldn't build it. There was no time to build it. We weren't yeah. even we weren't in a to build this car. This was like a and last you,
1: minute thing. Like, I get it. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some and, contract and, got signed. So, no, wait and minute, then Everybody th- were
0: th- told. Hold on. Does does but does Richard Rawlings? Does he think that he's being funny, cool guy, or is he just is he being a dick?
2: I don't know him well enough to know. To or is it his people?
0: You. I mean, come on, you know. But, like, right, you know.
2: I dude, I don't know him. Know him well enough to know. So, but. Dude, he drops the bomb on us in front of the audience, and we're just like, "This is bullshit." And then, to make it matters worse, he knew the only car we had that would accept the motor was a thirty-eight hundred pound Dodge Charger. So they go and build a Dart that weighs a thousand pounds less. We were never going to win the race ever. Mm. We didn't have a hope in hell of winning the race, and it was a race we had to do. And you know, it just—that's why the failure for me, I think, was not going. You know what? I'm out. And I, but I wouldn't, by the same token, I wouldn't do that to Freiberger I wasn't going to let him just jump on this grenade by himself. But, we, you know, it, the postscript to this is the production company came back and called me, like, the following year. It was like, hey, uh, you know, we want to do another one of those challenges. But what we want to do is we want to have you guys, you know, call up Richard and challenge him. But you're going to have, you know, a big chief race for you. And I'm like, that's like having my little brother come beat somebody up for me i'm like no <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like dude you want me to build something you know actually build it and race i'm in i'm like but you want me to do that i'm not doing that there's no way yeah so that, yeah i mean that, it's your
1: name on it right like so that's your personal integrity and and it's hard because the world of entertainment so you know we grew up in a world of editorial integrity where editorial message was king yeah there'd be advertisers who complain but we never our brands were never paid to play And we did what we thought was right by the reader. And then you kind of fade into this editorial, you know, sort of um – This editorial vein into entertainment, and now the entertainment world is completely different. It's all driven by sponsors and advertisers, and so you kind of, you know, you gotta do a little soul searching to figure out where you fit in in that mix. And it's not that they can't coexist; it's just how you pull it off and make sure that you're, you know, you're serving your different masters, right? Like you want to make sure that the advertiser is happy, but you also want to be true to yourself and the content that you create because that's what got you here—those ideas and that wacky editorial vision.
2: Yeah, and for the most part, you know, in the history of Roadkill, we. Been able to do that, but the moment it was like, "Hey, come over here and jump in this arena," it, you know, a, you're not making the decisions yourself anymore. Now, did you, your, were you were
0: head. you ever worried that oh man, we just jumped the shark? You know, this is this is could be the end, or was it never that bad?
2: No, because what happened was, um at least online and social media, is our fan base—they're so passionate. They they knew and they called everything out spot on like they knew how heavy your car was they built the lighter one on purpose you know um you know they they were cool it's Um, nice
1: to have fans like that who have your back rather than the ones (laughs) that are telling you how stupid you are and that you you know that you use the wrong tool on something or or whatever you know i'm
0: sure they do that too to him but but overall i'm it sounds like there was a lot of an outpouring of support
2: yeah that was the nice thing is uh you know they they had our backs it was cool
0: Cool. i'm kind of curious like
1: do you get noticed you know you obviously you're in georgia now and your deal's international. I mean, roadkill can be seen in many different countries and all that. Do you get seen when you're out? Or can, in Georgia, can you kind of live the, the introvert, you know, per, the person Mike Finnegan life rather than the personality Mike Finnegan life?
2: Uh, no, uh, I run into people every day. It's really? actually really fun. Wow, yeah, that's cool. It, the, weird, the weird thing is about me is I'm an introvert, but I really like people. And so...
0: It sounds like, you like know, you're just shy, though. Yeah, I would not say, I would say I Don't like sound I, like an introvert. Yeah. I think, you, I think you got your terms
1: mixed up. Well, and I, I think the thing yeah, with Mike is Mike Mike likes like-minded people, right? I mean, I think that's the way, you know, if, if you go up to Mike, Mike's not going to big-time you, especially if you have a story about something that he's passionate about. He's like, oh, man, you know, and, and I've seen Mike at SEMA when fans come up or whatever, and it's kind of fun. You're like, you're watching your buddy there, and some random dude comes up and says, oh, yeah, I really like what you've done. You know, my kids watch it, whatever. Hey, I've got a – what fill in the blank and then they talk for five or 10 minutes and it's like man that's that's pretty cool
2: oh for me that's the fun part yeah most of these people you get right down to it let's be honest they probably know more than me they probably have a cooler car than i do and so i i want to hear what they have to say and the great thing about roadkill being on youtube all those years is the instant feedback you get you know they tell you when they like something they tell you when they hate something and so you're able to react very quickly and nimbly the next time you film and, uh, you know, you haven't just gone out and filmed the whole season and just thrown it out there and found out, whoops, that was a mistake, you know. And so oh, I, meet every, I, I meet, to answer your question, I meet people every day. It's great. And, have, uh, have
0: you had to sign any strange body parts? That yeah. maybe, maybe a little uncomfortable, if you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like uh, top, of some, top of some dude's, like, skull and uh, um, uh, some dude's boob. Uh <laughs> wait, what? Weird. It wasn't even wait, a good wait, boob. <laughs> it was a move. Yeah, no, it wasn't even it wasn't even a woman's boob. It was some guy. He's like, dude, sign my boob. I'm like, Are you sure? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna circle your nipple, dude, just cause this is weird. <laughs> and, uh,
1: make it if you're gonna go awkward, make it real
2: awkward. <laughs> now now did, oh, dude, I, it, I turned his nipples into like a pair of sunglasses. It was great.
0: <laughs> now has any anyone turned your signature into a tattoo? Dude, that just
2: happened. No way. Some guy. I, so, so we, uh, in January, filmed an episode of Roadkill where we road tripped from Chicago to Wisconsin to go drag racing on a frozen lake in an El Camino saw that epic great episode yeah so cold well and so
0: you looked almost unhappy in that episode (laughs) you were like this is not cool this cold yeah
2: oh it was so cold what was it like
0: 9 or minus 9 or something it
2: was minus 14 14,
1: oh so I have a rule I have a rule about cold right so weather This, this is my rule rain wind cold pick two like, I do any combination <laughs> of those, I cannot do all three together. Yeah. <laughs> I need to know... Wait, wait, you didn't so, talk about the tattoo. Well, hold on, but uh, he's mentioned El Camino, and I feel like the Truck Show podcast has to ask the question, El Camino car or El Camino truck?
2: What is it? Oh, it's a car. Come on. Okay. okay. All right. It's a car. It's a, I just it's a car. Okay. It's a we, we have one of those in my house. My wife inherited one from her dad and her granddad, and, and I love the thing, but, you know... It's a very strange automobile. It is <laughs> call a know. car. Car. They're, hard. they're They're the mullet of the hot rod. They are the, <laughs> <laughs> in the front. Party in the back.
1: Money,
2: <laughs> All right, back back they're, to they're your tattoo to story. Look. So Tony Angelo and I enter this race. We actually win a trophy, which never happens on a Roadkill. So we party our asses off. Like we had, like everyone that's on that frozen lake is going to a local bar. We heard about it. We show up there, and I. Just racked up the biggest bar bill I think I've ever had. I'm buying shots for everybody in this place, (laughs) and I am just house drunk. And I don't remember doing it, but apparently I signed my name on some guy's forearm, like the entire thing. And about two weeks ago, are you talking about?
0: Are you talking about like fourteen inches long, like like John Hancock style?
2: My last name, his entire forearm, (laughs) home slice tattooed it. Wow some guy ran into it um, Ryan Brutt ran into the guy in real life photographed it and it's on Instagram dude. Oh. and I'm sitting there going that's the most amazing and scary right. thing I've ever seen. We'll see
1: find rocks. that and put it on our
2: side. So
0: that's like you're officially a rock star. You're like Ozzy or one of these guys who like signs <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're 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 in that league now. No, 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 he crazy? has to he has to bite the head
1: off a bat first before yeah. he gets back. Well, no, He's I don't think just so. one one level below. No,
0: I don't think so. It's awesome
1: to see uh to see how successful you've become and it's awesome to see uh just everything that you've been able to do because I, I know the last, you know, eight or nine years has been a freaking roller coaster for you. So.
2: yeah this has been uh, a weird a weird decade so what
1: are <laughs> where can people find you what are your socials
2: if you want to follow me on Instagram I'm uh, at Finnegan 999 oh and for the explanation that's my racing number um, I figured if I ever flipped over it would look cool. <laughs> <laughs> On Twitter, which I see, he does like. have a lot of similarities yeah, to Ozzy. I know by he the way. does. He does. If you follow me on Facebook, it's like Mike Finnegan forward slash news. And uh, if you want to watch more video stuff, I screw around in my garage all the time when I'm not on Roadkill, and I film and edit a show myself that are called Finnegan's Garage,
1: which is really cool. And it, it's almost like if you feel like Roadkill and some of the other stuff that Mike does has gotten too produced, this gets right back to the gritty garage details, and
0: it's it's fun to watch. I've seen it. It is personal. It, yeah. It's just him. And the and camera. camera. Yep. Yep. Real life. Oh, it's bad.
2: Like it's it I use the software that came on my laptop. I use the free music <laughs> that came with iMovie. Like it's awesome. I, I'm half I'm half deaf, so the audio is poor.
1: Speaking of you being deaf, we can't forget uh go to iTunes or Stitcher or any other other places so uh, people can find the Kibby and Finnegan show of your podcast. Is that a weekly podcast or bi weekly?
2: It is weekly. And thank you because once again, I forgot to promote it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy. Number one, I got to talk to my buddy Mike because it's been, I mean, we used to, we used to go out to lunch every day together and hang out. And, and now he's
0: a big star. And now he's and a big still star. A magazine yeah, guy. I'm just a
1: magazine guy. I'm, I'm like uh-huh. doing some stupid podcast. Hanging out with some loser but radio
0: dude yeah, in, a, totally. in a stanky room in Santa Ana, Super California. Super stanky.
1: You know what's crazy though? <laughs> we got through this whole thing and Mike didn't tell one story about me. Thank God yeah. we cleared that hurdle. He
0: promised he's coming in again. So you you're uh, you're going to be in the hot oh, seat soon mother of
1: yeah I, <laughs> I i was i was worried i was worried should i be worried should we let him tell one more
2: I'll, I'll say the very beginning of the story right now and then you decide whether it continues the next time i'm on the show okay fair enough so it involves holman and i going to vegas for i think the tr- might have been the truck and ash or some other show might have been i don't know and we're all staying at a really really bad hotel on Fremont Street that hadn't been renovated yet and holman has to room with one of his coworkers <laughs> and holman uh,
0: holman oh, dis- not distur- holman, du-
2: holman disturbs that man's night of sleep in a way that man will never forget
0: <laughs> oh, 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 oh we're going to pause it here i need to know but we'll i we're going wait. Oh, dude. we're going to revisit this on a future episode oh my god <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Mike Finnegan, uh, you're the man. Thank you very much for carving out the time for us. We appreciate it. We would absolutely love to have you in studio. I know you have very, very little free time these days, but if you do and, then you're, and you're in uh, you know the lovely Santa Ana, California and can stop by our podcast studio, that would be absolutely amazing.
2: I'd love to. Thanks, Lightning. Dude, let, yeah, yeah, let cool.
0: us know
1: next time you're back in town. and uh, I'll let you know when I'm in Georgia next so we can go grab lunch together. How about that?
2: Love to. Talk soon. All right, thanks, guys. All you right, see you,
0: Mike. All right, later. Wow, how about that, Mike Finnegan, dude? He's uh, he's really entertaining. No, we have to have him. I back. know why he's on the TV now. Yeah,
1: no, he's just a, he's a solid, good dude, and oh, man, I just I miss him. I miss working with him. I miss ha- just antics and, and having fun. And uh, uh, yeah,
0: I love how it's the talent, the free spirit. Um, he's obviously sharp. But it was unguided for so many years. And he I, I look at him like a like a, a really amazing pinball machine. So he had surrounded himself by all the right bumpers. Right. The, right. Yeah. And he eventually just landed it right, you know, ding and he just <laughs> got it. And 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 we, we all enjoy—if you haven't seen the show we're talking about, you've got to go to MotorTran or YouTube and watch Roadkill. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's really—it's wildly entertaining.
1: Yeah, and then again, Finnegan's Garage. He also has his little side deal, Finnegan's Speed Marine. He's got Roadkill. He's got his Kibby and Finnegan Show podcast. I mean, that guy is doing more th- than the rest of us, and I feel like we're really busy. Plus, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's married and has two kids, and I mean, he's he's doing everything. But you know, listen, listen, super S- dad. I can
0: tell you right now, he wouldn't do it if he didn't like it, and you can tell yeah, that he you loves can it. Tell he's having a really good time. Yeah. So, hey Holman, uh, before we get to the inbox, because I know we have a, just a crap load. Is that technical, by the way, a crap load? No, it's uh, it's actually a uh, boat load. A boat load? Yeah. I like a grip. A grip of email? Yeah. Like we have a grip of, of email. Yeah, yeah. Like, how, how many? I feel like. I feel like a grip is only so many, but nah. a boatload, now but, that's... But let's be honest, we have like four email. Yeah, probably. It's like a grip. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a grip email. Before we get to those, though, I want to thank Nissan, who is our presenting sponsor. That's right. I think they are our... I don't even like the term... I, think, I don't think it's fair to say presenting sponsor. I think it's like a partnership. Absolutely. I feel like they're family members.
1: Uh, we should have Like, they see
0: in. us in the house walking around with our underwear on. You know what I mean? They might.
1: You, are, are they like the weird uncle that comes over only once uh
0: once in a while no or, no, no they're not the weird ones we're we the, are we're, we're, oh yeah. yeah no they come in and they're like hey in their sunday best oh. that's nissan rolls into yeah. their sunday best now you I can tell happened. you can tell that they're like hard workers and that they're like they're not afraid to dig ditches but they're like they came in and they're just dressed in the night it's like hey we had this thing let's go are you coming with us and we're like Oh man, we were out late too last yeah. day, too late last night, and we we're like we're dragging ass. And... No, I think what happened was
1: is uh, as we said we were coming to town.
0: Mm-hmm. They opened up their house,
1: mm-hmm. and then they caught us in front of the refrigerator drinking milk from the carton in our underwear, uh, eating cookie dough.
0: Oh, so that's Nissan, and then we're, <laughs> and we're, like, we're we're just scumbags. We're the bad scumbag guests that they can't get rid of.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're regretting their decision right now.
0: <laughs> I hope not. No, we're stoked. So anyway, thank you to Nissan for coming on board. It's amazing. We're gonna we've got a lot to talk about with the uh, the Nissan Titan, the NXD, of course. But uh, let's get some some email. All
1: right, inbox. You email, yeah. I email
0: do it. We email right. Everybody email. Type it up, you email proofread. You got one? We're just going to dance. <laughs> uh, I'm still you know, I don't, I'm never ready to go until the song is over. No, it doesn't, but I have to fade it out because it just ends abruptly. <laughs> there it goes. Uh, yeah, I think maybe, do we need a new intro? No, nah, I like that no, one. No, I like that yeah. one. All right, first one up is from Wendy Magnet. Dear Purchasing Team, great day. <laughs> 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 Hold on, let me get through let me Let me get through it. Let me get through it. Dear Purchasing Team, great day for you. Glad to know you from the web. I think maybe you have needs of magnets in application. <laughs> I <saw that> one. <laughs> Hold on. If so, you may be happy to find new reliable source of permanent magnet with superior quality and reasonable price. What we should do to apply for you become your new vendor. Best regards, Wendy Zong. No, wait a minute. I thought it was Wendy Magnet. Now it's Wendy Zong, <laughs> XMN King's Magnet Company Limited with her Skype address and her WhatsApp. I don't uh, know how to answer you, Wendy Magnet. I, I, uh, hold on. I, I, I have one myself. How did got... we create? How did we get spam from day one on Gmail? Oh, we have
1: so much spam. Thank
0: you, Wendy Magnet, well, for <laughs> writing into Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com.
1: Did you know that uh, Misty also wrote into us about wheel
0: spacers? <laughs> <laughs> no, wheel spacers.
1: Dear friend, are you looking for a better supplier of wheel spacers? We are specialized in auto performance parts. We
0: are specialized? Yes, we are
1: specialized. (laughs) Wheel spacer advantage. One, improve vehicle stability. Two, wheel spacer widen your vehicle wheelbase. Increase stability. Aggressiveness stance is a free bonus. Three, increase clearance. Four, wheel spacers increase tire to frame clearance. Well, I wanna know why some of them are written really well. And other ones are written freaking horrible. And then I, my, don't, uh, I don't know. My favorite is uh, Misty Zoo, who, by the way, has written us 400 times. And each time I write back, remove me from your list, that's yeah, not helping. Um, I've seen everything from, dear, are you interested in auto marine gauge? And uh, she goes on with uh, polarity reverse function, the durability good, and seismic performance is good. <laughs> now I don't know if she is in the same camp of the uh, parameters, but these are
0: definitely some sort of a meter. Mouncer,
2: key engine parameters.
0: Oh my god, we need to get to some real email. Yeah, yeah, have some real email instead of spam. <laughs> Dude,
1: we have enough spam now that we could do an entire show just reading emails. Yeah, let's do it. Mouncer, monitor
0: key, engine, Parameters. parameters. <laughs> I love that. Love that so much. All right, this is an actual email from Preston Cook, longtime listener of the Kevin and Bean Show. Oh, that's Kevin and Bean Show on K Rock in LA, where I used to work. Thank you. Uh, I was sad to see you leave, but the Truck Show podcast rocks, man. Don't change a thing. As for the alignment issue on your truck, if you throw your rear dualies on the front, given that they'll fit, and use the angle iron method, you should be able to set it quite accurately. I use the angle iron method on my bagged C10. The longer the angle iron, the more accurate the alignment will be. Set it and forget it. Unfortunately, Preston, I can't do that because on my Dually, I have 8 to 10 lug conversions and uh, the hubs stick out further than the tires and I can't put the rears on the fronts because there's uh, spacers and it's just a whole mess. But uh, I love the setup. I just can't seem to align the damn things. Oh, he says, P.S., by the way, I'm a large. <laughs> he wants a t-shirt. <laughs> nice. Addresses in the signature. Truck Show podcast t-shirt coming your way, Preston.
1: All right. Yeah, we had a, a pretty busy week. Um, so my favorite email we got this week from was from Chris. Okay, Chevy steering wheel. <laughs> Wait, what? so Chevy You remember last episode? Oh my god! We Wait, about you, cr- <laughs>
0: you crushed me by showing them my. my so I have drive an '08 Silverado. It's it's a dually, but it's irrelevant. Um, and my I, Holman, you're an asshole because you showed me. I didn't realize this is bizarre. I didn't realize it, that that. Um, my steering wheel is off center by about an inch. So when you're sitting there and you're holding the wheel, it feels natural natural until you look down and you realize that the the Chevy, the bow tie logo in the in the center, center of the wheel is off center and not <laughs> straight up from your crotch. And and so that is now all I can see is <laughs> it's like, oh my steering wheel is way over here. It's not it's only like an inch off, but it's just it's odd and disconcerting. <laughs> so Chris writes
1: Hey guys, heard about your podcast when I was watching Dirt Every Day and I've been following you from the beginning. I'm a big Chevy fan. Thanks for the insight on the new trucks. Also, you could have kept that steering wheel problem to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Now in my work van and in my personal truck and my wife's car, all I'm going to be able to think about is how the steering wheel is off. Thanks for keeping my Mondays entertaining, Chris. Oh my oh, gosh.
0: Yeah. You, uh, if you're driving, what years are we looking at? So it's an 0 it's an oh, what through oh, what, geez. like where your steering wheel is off. It's like an oh, 06 through 03? No, oh,
1: I think it's everything GMT 400 up. So, I mean, it's. And uh, when did
0: GMT 400 start?
1: Yeah. So 88 to 98? Oh, my Lord. So, yeah, it's a long time. Oh,
0: my Lord. So everyone's doing it.
1: Yeah, so I don't, I can't remember if it started about- at GMT, uh, if it started GMT 400, which is, uh, I think, 88 to 98, or if it started at the GMT 800. Tens to
0: of millions oh, yeah. of trucks.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. I'm going to ruin a lot of <laughs> truck experiences for people by just, you know, put, throwing that out there.
0: You're driving a modern Chevy truck. And you're right now, and you're holding your steering wheel. Look down, and you'll notice that it's just shifted to the right, ever so slightly. <laughs> and it'll make and, you very
1: uncomfortable. And if you're in the uh, late models, so the GMT 900 trucks, mm-hmm. uh, the steering wheel is also canted. So, where the right-hand side of the steering wheel is closer than the left-hand side of the steering wheel, and it's offset. <laughs> so, sorry. And by the way, those of you uh, who are in Hummer H2s that are laughing, you uh, you also uh, have an <laughs> offset steering wheel. Tahoe's, Suburbans, none of you are safe.
0: (laughs) This one's coming from Brian Brown. Hey, guys, love the show. I wish it came on more than once per week. Uh, So do we. We just don't have time. We have jobs. Um, So I've got a 71C10, and I'm looking into what to do for a power plant. It currently has a small block 350, and I've been looking into doing an LS swap. But the wiring and not understanding modern engines kind of scares me. Uh, Could you touch on, one, why LS swaps are taking over the world? And two, is the wiring really that scary? And three, just general tips on how-tos from people who have done a ton of these so I can avoid making massive common mistakes. Oh, and I'm looking to scrounge the junkyard, so tips on doing some budget builds would be great as well. And, Brian, uh, send us your T-shirt size. We're going to send you a Truck Show podcast shirt. Can you answer those questions from Holman? Man, that's a lot of questions. Um, You want me to go through one by one? Yeah. So number one was why LS swaps are taking over the world.
1: Uh, Because they're relatively affordable, Uh, lots of power. You can get different uh, horsepower levels from the crate engine. They're plentiful. There's parts everywhere, and they're highly uh, supported by the aftermarket. So there's everything from turbos to Every reason to do it. Yeah. I'm hearing every reason exactly. to do an LS swap. Okay, And, it. and it's a small block, right? So it fits everywhere.
0: Right, got it. And then number two is, is the wiring really that scary? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if scary is the right term, but, but I wouldn't- Doesn't Painless offer a kit for that? Uh, Painless does do a
1: chassis kit. I don't know if they do an LS swap kit. I wouldn't be surprised if they do- uh, I wouldn't recommend a first timer do their own wiring. I would take it to somebody who knows what they're doing. Although if you are gonna attempt it and you aren't worried about screwing something up, uh, painless makes it pretty uh, pretty easy to do relatively. Um I've got my sixty seven f one hundred that has a full painless you know wiring harness and uh, did that all myself. and it's uh, you know, I was really happy with the quality and the instructions.
0: Got it. number three is um, just general tips and how to's from people who have done it before. I feel like that's kind of a little too in depth for us to go right now yeah. talking about LSwaps, swaps but I think that um that might be interesting in a future show to get someone who's done yeah, stuff like that Yeah you
1: definitely want some mounted parameters <laughs> <laughs>
0: You do. You, <laughs> you definitely need uh, parameters. But
1: you want to watch out for, you know, where the engine sits in the engine compartment. Obviously, that engine was made for something else. You need enough room against the core support. So if it's going to be supercharged or turbocharged, you can fit the intercooler and the radiator. You want to make sure that the engine has the right tilt to it to match up with the drive line. You want to make sure that it's centered on the, the yoke uh, or the pinion uh, of the rear end. Uh, you want to make sure that your headers clear your steering. I mean, there's a gazillion things. But so it is.
0: I mean, you're not. And it does sound like it could be kind of scary if this is your first project. If it's your but, first project, yeah. But then again, if you're not under any kind of a time crunch, if this is literally sitting in your garage and you can play with it over the next two years, and you have the tools, and you got the tools, and the buddy,
1: and plenty of pizza and beer to have your buddies come then over, then I
0: think go for it, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, this is how
0: Finnegan. You know, we talked yeah. to earlier. This is how we got started.
1: Th- this is an easy swap in the world of engine swaps. There are so many more swaps that are more complicated than this one. Right. But that being said, it's still not like a novice thing to do. Like you, you should you know hopefully know what you're doing and
0: and just you watch know. YouTube, dude. It's yeah, there's, <laughs> there's plenty of stuff on YouTube.
1: <laughs> and then as far as uh, the last question, looking to scrounge the junkyard uh, for tips, actually I would recommend reading one of. Uh, our off-road magazines, Peterson 4-Wheel and Off-Road, or go to fourwheeler.com because the four-wheel drive guys are always doing junkyard swaps. You'll find out a ton of stuff from Hot Rod as well in the Freiberger days, uh, the Payway days, Uh, those guys, Christian Hazel and Vern Simons over at Peterson's 4-Wheel and Off-Road. Um, they're always in the junkyard, and there's a ton of uh, junkyard guides oh, for axles. Way, it sounds funny. They're always in the junkyard. <laughs> <Yeah, well,
0: laughs> Literal, they literally, are. <laughs> literally, yeah.
1: So uh, I would read some of those magazines. I, I know you, you might have a street truck. Uh, I'm assuming your 71C10 is a two-wheel drive. But the four-wheel drive stuff crosses over, too, in terms of finding the right things that fit. So that's always a good resource. And, and the more you learn, the easier it gets. Easier it gets, yeah. I mean, the more ways you see somebody solving a problem... The easier it is for you to kind of have a solution. Let me
0: ask you this. So, what about should he go on one of these Facebook forums like the C10 group, CTA yeah, Nation, absolutely. Or whatever? So, sure. they're a huge resource, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, and, and they're, they're all pretty cool. Like they all share secrets. There's a
1: uh, also C10 uh, podcast, C10 talk. That, oh, that's uh, right.
0: Oh my, completely forgot about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's because they tune them out. I feel like they're competition. Right? <laughs> yeah, but, but we no, love everybody, are, right? They yeah, were yeah. doing it before us, so yeah, got to give them their dues.
1: All right, uh, this one from uh, from Ryan. Ryan says, "Hey guys, first off, love the podcast. You guys bring in an excellent mix of content and humor, and the guest list has been killer. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate that." As a long-time Dodge Ram guy, I've had my heart set on a 2,500 Ram with the 6.7 Cummins. I learned to drive in a second-generation Ram. My dad had a 65D100. Stepdad owns a third-generation Cummins Dually. Dodge's Rams are just in the blood. With all that said, I love the dialogue you and Cummins, Steve, opened up about with people overbuying a big three-quarter-ton truck. Oh, dude, I love that, too. That was a great conversation. I, I'm
0: dying to, to revisit that conversation because I'm obsessed yeah. now with the fact that millions of American men are... Are buying trucks that they have no business driving on the daily. Hashtag diesel inappropriateness. Yes. All <laughs> right. It really is. Um, and simply using it as a grocery getter. And by the way, I, I'm I'm clearly you know I I'm a culprit right here. You know. Well, I guess am I because it's a show truck. But nah, I don't. I, mean, I guess you guys, I was I, I wasn't well, even going to bust I, you on that, but I mean when I when I bought it, I was pulling a 36 foot Hallett, a boat, an offshore yeah, racing no, boat. You're good. But then the boat went away, and now I still drive the truck. Yeah. So now I'm just that douche with the big truck and.
3: You're staring at me, yeah. Now I'm
1: just a douche. Oh man! <laughs> well, I mean, I was just going to let you go as long as you were going to go. It's kind of like that awkward silence where somebody starts outing themselves, and you're like, "All right, keep yeah, going." No, no, no right, go for it. I'm not going to interrupt. All right, uh, my attraction to the ramps coming platform is longevity and durability. But I have to be honest, that towing would be minimal at best. I know that with these modern emission systems, getting the engine up to heat to clean out everything is imperative for power and engine longevity. So my question is, on a diesel truck that averages six thousand miles a year, what kind of towing or underload mileage would you guys consider necessary to keep the engine emission system happy. I'm not averse to taking the truck out and towing something just for towing sake. I have access to dirt road drags and toy hauler and any excuse to go camping is good with me. Even if I don't tell my wife is to keep this new $60,000 truck in the driveway hog happy. Thanks guys. Oh, XXL shirt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they figured oh, it out. Oh man,
1: thanks Ryan. Uh, we we appreciate your email and and really I don't uh, it's not necessarily how much you drive it. It's just making sure that you get enough heat cycles in every few fuel tanks to to keep the engine up to speed and and not a lot of short trips in your diesel. You don't want condensation building up in in your engine. You want to burn all that stuff out. So, you know, maybe, uh, you know, once or, or twice a month, at least make sure you go on like an hour long
0: trip. You know, highway speeds, under load. I don't know that's even necessary to half to tow. Here's something interesting, Holman. That I at least I find it interesting about diesel trucks, full size trucks. So uh, GM issued a bulletin about their new Duramax L5P. They were talking specifically about their like delivery trucks, their medium duty and cab yeah. and chassis things like that. And they offer uh, in those only, only in those medium duty trucks. They offer a manual regen. So on the dash of your truck, you can force the truck to heat up and burn out all of the unburnt fuel in the departiculate filter. Okay. So what they found, what GM found, is that around doing all this city driving, loading up this DPF, the truck couldn't breathe and it would get and go into a check engine light, yeah, like, into, a, limp like mode. a limp mode. Yeah. yeah, like it would say reduced power. Right. You couldn't go over 50 at full throttle, yep. right? Okay. So they gave business people and, and and you know and and full-time drivers a means by which they could go, oh crap, um, I'm loading all this unburnt fuel into the and give them a, a way to burn it out, yep. thrall out, but they had to meet certain requirements. You had to be in an open area, you had to be in park, you had to have at least an eighth of a tank of gas. So they do it while it's fuel, idling cetera, basically, huh? While it's idling, okay. exactly. Can't be moving. All these things you had to you had to meet by clicking okay, okay, okay on your dashboard. Yeah. That feature is not available to consumers. Correct. So what's happening now, it's the same engine, and actually with more power. And so you've got guys driving around the new Duramaxes all over the country, and they're hauling ass. Green light, brrrr, yeah. you know. And so to spool up that turbo, you're loading a lot of fuel into the DPF, and what's happening, it'll, it'll say... Keep driving, keep driving on your right. dash. And what that means is it wants to go into regen and burn right. all that crap out, but you haven't met the qualifications right. yet.
1: You need to go on the highway and be a steady state for a period of time and, and allow that engine to go through its cycle.
0: Guys aren't doing that. Right. Because that comes on as I'm pulling into work. Mm. And it says, keep driving. You go, I can't keep driving. I'm yeah. pulling in. Turn the truck off. Mm. Get back in What truck work. was it? This is a new 2017, 2018 uh, Silverado yeah. or Sierra L5P. You know, Duramax L5P. Get in. The light comes back on. Says keep driving, keep driving. And now it's still loading up. You've got another couple miles. You're trying to get on the gas. Yeah. You're loading more yeah. unburned fuel. And what's ha- and then you get to 140 percent soot in the departiculate particulate filter, the DPF. Now the truck literally cannot breathe yeah it's like you're underwater it's clogged clogged, Mm -hmm. and it goes into limp mode it goes into reduced engine power yep here's the bummer you do not have the force regen right all right, you you now have to limp it to the dealer or to a diesel shop or somebody or have a, have, you know. So they have to do it through the tools. You have to do it through a diagnostic tool See, that's to what's force su- a yeah, regen. That's what sucks so about the new systems. We have a lot of guys yep. who, yep, that is a bummer with owning this truck and treating it like a hot rod. Because yeah. it's, n- it's not a hot rod. It's not made to squirt around town. Yeah. It's made for long hauls. A load attached to the bumper load, or whatever. load attached yep. and you're at high, high temps yep. for a reason. I think everybody who's
1: considering a new truck needs to really think about if the diesel is appropriate for their usage case. And I I would argue that I love diesel, but the reality is some people... Don't drive them in the manner that they were designed by the engineers or that the EPA envisioned their emission system working or whatever the case may be. And so I think there's a lot of great gas options out there. And I think there are a subset of the truck community that should be in gas trucks. But because it's the most expensive, it's the most flashy, it's the you know newest technology, blah, 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 blah. They go into the diesel truck for whatever reason. And uh, then they start realizing that there are usability interface issues because of how their usage case is. It doesn't match up with what was envisioned for the diesel they own and that's i mean that's just part of what we have to figure out I guarantee you that somebody in the aftermarket will come up with a way to force that manual dpf
0: well that there are some solutions yeah. yeah so the edge cts2 you can do it with that i believe the uh, the banks iDash one8 interface you're going to be able to do that very soon next couple of weeks so you're going to be able to do yeah. it relatively inexpensively and that's the beauty of the aftermarket
1: right. right like they're going to have solutions for for those problems so right. i've got one more here uh, from dean Hi, holman and lightning just finished listening to episode 10 on my flight to Korea. Interesting perspective from Brian Williams and Holman on how spy photos
0: can influence the auto industry. Especially. By the way, that's got to be a long-ass flight. It's got to be, what, 14, 15 hours? Yeah, like that. not as bad as Australia, but damn near close. You know,
1: it's gotta be, yeah, it's got to be pretty close. Uh, especially the Raptor. I must admit, as an engineer for an OEM, spy photos don't always end in a happy ending. So this guy apparently works for somebody. I've had some very aggressive car photographers looking to break a story. Sadly, other OEM cultures don't always understand the upsides to Photog's work, and sometimes employees get flack when out testing, aka just doing their job. This is interesting because it's from the OE side of the story, right? Right. I think that's cool. Sure, sure. I get it, public domain, etc., etc., but I've had to approach SEMA in the past to blur out engineer driver faces and articles. I've even had to contact a publication when I knew that a photographer had physically altered a vehicle camo in order to get a glimpse of a yet-to-be-patented component. Keep up the good work over there, guys. Regards. And that came from Dean. Dean, thank you so much. It's, it's really cool to, to hear a, a different perspective on some of the stories we talk about. And and anytime anybody has any counterpoint to what we're saying, send us an email. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. We will read
0: it on the air. No, no. I don't think we care about them. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's our way of the highway. It's quite uh, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> no, of course. Email truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Well,
1: I, for one- Have to get out of here because I'm catching a flight at uh, 7 in the morning out of LAX, and I haven't packed yet. Where are you going? (laughs) I'm going to Texas for a day. Texas for a day? Yeah, I have a- uh,
0: That's a super bad plan. Yeah, I have
1: a uh, half hour meeting. You
0: know what I say to that?
1: Not good. My wife said the same thing uh, until she realized I'm going to try and come home tomorrow night. (laughs) Why did you- Why? Because I have a one hour meeting I have to go to. Why? uh, You can't Skype it in? No, no. Meeting some important people have to do it in person. Really? Yeah. And I've you're got,
0: closing the deal? Like you're, you're the closer? I'm
1: going with our sales team to, uh, to meet some people, and okay. they want to meet there in person. And I, the way I look at it is, I've got a newborn at home, so I got to balance right. you know, my wife's needs and, and, and uh, our new daughter's needs, uh, as well as my 10 year old's needs. But I figure if I go home tomorrow night and only,
0: I'm only there for a couple hours, that saves me hotel and rental car. It's true. I think it'll balance out. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, Nissan, for making uh, today's show possible. We really, really appreciate it. TruckShowPodcast at gmail.com. Give us a five-star rating and tell all your friends to subscribe. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Whoa, whoa. And don't forget to uh, follow us on the socials at TruckShowPodcast. I love how you call them the socials. You got that for me. It's horrible. I, I
1: know. It's awful. Yeah. See, that's what happens when we're in a hot, steamy room recording things together. Uh, what is this? Episode 12? Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of time with you. And the uh, the room here is hotter and steamier. Yeah, it is steamy. <laughs> the content. What's, what's hotter, the room or our content? The room. <laughs> yeah, the room is so hot. <laughs> all right. I got to get out of here. I have a plane to catch and a bag to pack. Uh, all right. Later, skater. See you next week.